1: Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody! It is Maddie here, and welcome to episode sixty of Defining Duke and Xbox Podcast. Today, I'm joined by He changed his shirt twice today, Lord Cognito. Yeah, it's, it's hot, man.
3: Yeah, sweating it up in that <laughs> last Swe- show, huh? Yeah, sweating it. <laughs> it was a hot one, you know. Uh-huh. We, we, it's uh, in here, yeah. Yeah, are we, are we, are we not gonna spoil yet, but no, we, yeah, we wait, we wait, right? Wait. Yeah,
1: we want to surprise the audience with this yeah, one. We, we did do a show before this, and. With recent news, it's gonna be a hot one. It's gonna be
3: a hot one, yeah. Absolutely, man. It's definitely gonna be a hot mm-hmm. one, but i uh, definitely amped for this one. We got a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. I mean, it's been a it's been an interesting week. It's been I've been under the weather, so salute to you first of all for holding it down. You know, definitely caught a little oh, yeah, bit of course. the ultimate. We'll get into that with with, with Ben, but um, yeah, just man, just try to get over the flu, but then. Some things came out, and gaming kind of perked me back up, and mm-hmm. I'm on the awesome, side. I saw, bro, you were
1: messaging me back at, like, 4 a.m. last night or something. Yeah, you, you're mighty sick, huh? Yeah,
3: <laughs> I, I may have got a second win due to yeah. some games <laughs> that we'll get into. <laughs> What's been going on with you, man? You've been putting in hours on things. I have,
1: I have, yeah, yeah. Been a, a lot of Elden Ring hours. I've, I've literally neglected almost, outside of my relationship, every single aspect of my life for this game. <laughs> I've literally just... Th- Throwing it all away, man. Like, I don't remember the last time I fucking exercised. Like, it's, it's been wild out here. But, yeah, I put over 50 hours into that game. Uh, review is live, or impressions, I should say. And uh, we'll be talking about it more on this show. But, uh, yeah, as, as you said, I have definitely been putting in the work lately. Proud of that. But uh, it's been a lot. Looking forward to a little bit more of a, a mellow time as we coast into March, where there are games coming out. Like, I'm excited for Triangle Strategy. But nothing too intense like Elden Ring. But, yeah. Uh, it has been it has been a fun week. I can't complain because even when I was like going all full speed, this is what we talked about at the beginning of the year, right? You 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 move strategically at a brisk pace so then you can sprint when it when it's time to go. And that's what I did. I was sprinting for crossfire. I was sprinting for yeah, God, I was sprinting for crossfire. I was sprinting <laughs> from it. And I was sprinting towards Elden Ring. Uh so you know it's it's been a it's been a good sprint. Now I'm gonna start coasting into a jog here, and uh we're we're maintaining the health as wealth. Maybe not health, I should say, because I've I've been sitting on my butt for a while here, but uh, anyway, I could go on. Thank mm-hmm. you for asking, Cog. And mm-hmm. for those who want to catch this week's DDU, uh we just posted it. It is Sea of Ben. We had Uh, uh, associate producer I almost said executive producer but (laughs) now I know why I almost said that (laughs) Um, associate producer Ben Smith joined us for this episode it was just him and I because as Cog said he was under the weather so we did an impromptu highly requested see a theme show uh, I don't know how highly requested it truly was because the top rated comment on the episode was going to skip this one game is <laughs> ass. And I was just like, uh, OK, guys. Like, All right. <laughs> I'm glad we, uh, glad we listened to feedback on this. But anyway, Ben joined us. Uh, we went on for about uh, almost an hour just talking about Sea of Thieves. You know, why is it a good time to get into it? The latest updates and just kind of catch people up on what is one of Xbox's most popular games? In fact, we were looking at the numbers on Twitch on the player count for steam and uh sea of thieves is doing better than halo infinite so there is some merit in the strength of this service game that not a lot of people talk about and guess it's not a sexy pick but i think it's an interesting one so go get that a listen if you have yet to
3: absolutely yeah i gotta stuck in a little bit of it and um definitely i'm glad you guys touched on it because i know ben plays it religiously but i love the support they've been given for it and they, they stuck with it mm-hmm. and again it's not my cup of tea all the way but at the end of the day i get the appeal and i see it is as much as people you know getting their feel it is a successful title <laughs> yeah, for, very successful very successful title for for xbox so yeah salute to y'all for holding it down and, and actually of giving course. it a shine of
1: course yeah either make up for that xbox one episode right so yeah, there you go got, there we go <laughs> Uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, this show goes live every Thursday over at Patreon.com slash Last Media, where you can also listen to the Defining Duke Ultimate episode we just recorded. And I'm just letting y'all know, if you've been listening to the recent ones that have gone to the public, now's a good time to sign up. Some great stuff in the in the bank for Sacred Symbols that has come out, uh, like an episode on Troy Leave It. I haven't listened to that yet. And we got one of our own that I, that I, I feel very confident is going to make the rounds. Mm-hmm. So
3: fire it, yeah we're very scorcher. excited i changed mm-hmm. my
1: shirt mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so all of that and more at patreon.com slash last media and of course if you want to listen for free where we do eventually post certain episodes of ddu and of course these episodes right here uh, were are available wherever podcasts are available so youtube apple google spotify everything now let's talk video games cog before Let's we begin, just a, a, a couple of news bits I wanted to get into some roadmaps for service games. First one that I want to talk about was uh, Final Fantasy 14 announcing a 10 year planned roadmap, even though this game's been around for a while. Hey, you know what's hilarious about this one, right? Mm-hmm. You already know where we're going with this, There's right? No. They, they said that they couldn't do an Xbox version, and y'all are planning to support it for another decade with no xbox version (laughs) just just say playstation's paying you that's all i'm asking just say playstation gave you a lot of money to keep it off xbox because that's what's
3: happening here clearly listen that bag is nice Uh, it is i can't knock the hustle i can't knock the hustle clearly Mm -hmm. they like the relationship and the relationship will continue yes
1: absolutely (laughs) but for those of you who are playing final fantasy 14 i'm sure you already heard but for those of you who are interested I've heard good things. I played like 40 hours of it, and I, I just couldn't, man. I, I couldn't. That that base game's not good, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the expansions are great though, which I did not get to. Uh, Final Fantasy 14 fans remind me of Trails fans, right? They will they will harass you if you're like they're like you just don't get it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm prepared for that. So I want to put that right in the front of the show that uh, the the base game's overrated. Okay. Um, <laughs> now here's something we could all agree on. Here's something we can all agree on. Fallout 76's 2022 roadmap is hilarious. Let's
3: get to it. All right. Did you did you take a peep at this one? I, excuse me. Exactly. I actually did not. So you go ahead and educate me on this one. Okay. What is going on with Fallout 76? So
1: they are currently in the hospital on life support right now. That's what's going on here. So um, this game's updates have been scarce in the first place. And I'm looking at the 2022 roadmap right now. And for spring, they're doing invaders from beyond, which is already available in the PTS. And it's just a new public event that brings yeah. aliens into the game. And that was kind of supposed to come out last year. Okay. Um, but now it's coming out in spring this year. And then they're doing mm-hmm. a uh, quality of life update for fallout worlds. They're also doing tester metal, which is a ton of quality of life updates as well. They include a, a new public event and a, a fallout first scoreboard upgrade upgrade uh that's in the summer then in the fall so a year and a half later when starfield is planning on launching mind you starfield they're (laughs) gonna launch expeditions for fallout 76 the pit expeditions which is uh for those who don't remember it was the trailer that's that dropped during last year's e3 show for xbox where you saw it and you went oh the new fallout game okay and it was actually an expansion for 76 that will let us leave the base game map and go on missions excursions to the pit uh this is going to serve as a prequel so it's definitely interesting because the pit's one of the best fallout three dlcs yeah. and then the last one is in the winter nuke world on tour uh which is uh more public events <laughs> <laughs> a new region boss so like one of those bosses you can nuke and mm-hmm. uh, a season 11 stay tuned so this this game's i it's dead soon. I'm Dang, telling you right now. This dead. game is yeah. so close to dead. Because I, I have never seen a more killing blow than let's launch our most significant update since since Wastelanders. Mm-hmm. Let's launch that next to Starfield, our biggest game in years.
3: Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Now, how's the play count doing? I was very curious about that. If you know, like, oh, just man. off top, is it okay? How's the health of it? I mean, I have not. I'm going to be brutally honest. The reason why mm-hmm. I do not pay attention to Fallout 76 is just that... Like, like I know you have a respect for it, but for me, it's just like I know what they were tempted to do, but I want a mainline Fallout game, so mm-hmm. I really have no interest, which mm-hmm. is weird because I'm the live service dude. But yeah. yeah, like it just didn't resonate with me. And, and Fallout is just that individual story, and I, I, I like to learn more about you know that particular area of the waste. You yeah. know, it just I, I, for whatever reason it just didn't connect, and then I think graphically it just didn't maybe for whatever
1: connected. reason, man. I think you're. I think we all know the reason. It's yeah. it's not as good as their previous work, man. Like yeah, it's, just it's just not. not. And uh, the player count is fine. Here's the thing that is that they're not growing. They're just staying with the same group of people. It's what I said in my my Dark Age of Bethesda video. Like they're just going to continue to milk fallout fans or i'm sorry it was uh it was the future of fallout video i mm-hmm. made the, the dark future of fallout it's like they're just going to continue to milk these fans until there's nothing left right. that's why they're hardly giving anyone by the way they promised a while ago mods pets four star legendaries etc etc uh n- none of these so are in the game wow none of these and they've wow. promised these for years mods have been promised since i want to say 2019 wow and there's nothing on this roadmap. So again. They, I, I tell Fallout fans this all the time because they think I just hate the game, and I, I rile up this fan base constantly. I don't mean to, but like, they don't give a fuck about you. Like they, they're, they're gonna, they're literally gonna take your money and run. So uh, if you're still in that game, get out. That's my suggestion. Let it die. Let it all move on.
3: It is what it is.
1: All right, uh, just some moves on the Xbox front of things here. Some international hires. I saw the headlines talking about a Seiji Tanaka who's been hired in Japan as a developer partner manager. But after a little bit of digging on some websites i found that kevin taiwa kim had been hired as a global expansion incubator manager in south korea, rod chang had been hired as a senior director of asia gaming in china and temi Afalabi had been hired as a global expansion incubator gxi manager in africa. so xbox has always come up short in the air, in the international department uh so this was kind of noteworthy i thought just because uh they're making moves here especially of course the developer partner manager for japan being the most exciting one so kag any thoughts on that yeah
3: very exciting i I like to hear stuff like that i I like Mm -hmm. to hear progression in the region and and attempts right to 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 bolster right that's all yeah we want bolster relationships development and Mm -hmm. yeah let's see if there's actually going to be fruit of this that that's the next question what's what are the steps involved with the role and can they pull talent in
1: Yes, and especially since they're finally building talent in these other areas. Uh, not that they weren't there, but um, they're doing more. Uh, that's definitely good news, yes. but uh, wanted to share that with the audience. And uh, last but not least, Xbox announced a new partnership with Twitch um, to make it easier to stream from your Xbox through the Xbox Guide. Um, so it's going to be easier to literally hit the home button and select the live streaming option. Go live now with your Twitch account linked up and boom, you're there. Uh, so it actually looks pretty good, pretty intuitive, and I think this is a smart move because streaming is only growing. It kind of throws it back to the Xbox One era where they were big on like streaming with the with the Kinect camera and everything, and and integrating that. But this seems sensible, so it's good to see, and just want to put people on alert
3: for that. Yeah, long overdue, and again, it's it's kind of interesting to me because. The end of an era of mixer, but this is kind of them bending the knee because yeah, they say, absolutely. "Hey, look, this is the de facto platform. This is where mm-hmm. people are. You go where they are. And if you're going to be the box, you need that seamless integration to have Xbox games on the number one platform. So kudos mm-hmm. on them to making to the to making the admission and making that process easy. And you know, Amazon and and Microsoft, Azure and AWS working together a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, mm-hmm.
1: we like it. Mm-hmm. All right, some write-ins from the audience here. We got plenty to get through in this episode. Thank you to everyone who writes into our show where we're doing uh, quite well nowadays. On Talked Talk is our first one. Hey, Lord Maddie and Mr. Cognito plays. We've got an official casting for the Fallout TV show with the main character being played by Walton Goggins. Additionally, it is believed that Goggins will be playing a ghoul. There's not too much else to be said about this particular news bit, so I'd like to ask a simple little question. What do you guys hope to see out of a Fallout TV show? What setting? Should it follow the narrative of one of the games or be something completely new? With the main character potentially being a ghoul, I'm excited for the possibility of contrasting life before and after the bombs drop. Have a my mac and cheese is irradiated <laughs> irradiated kind of day.
3: Nice. Yeah, I, I love Fallout. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I, I've, I mean, the, the always experience for me is just, you know, you're waking up inside the vault, the relationships yeah. there and, you know, the whole world post, you know, apocalyptic, you know, this kind of nuclear explosion thing. So I I think there's potential. I think there's mm-hmm. potential with the series. I, I think that, um you know, because it, it's that scary reality of what could happen, right? Like, yo, world war, yeah. blah, blah, blah happens. And this could be that scary re- reality. And I like that stuff. So I don't know how I feel about the ghoul. I'm curious how you feel about that. I want to mm-hmm. see how you feel about that part. But look, that's part of the that's part of the lore. The the super mutants and all that's part of it as well. So I want to know where they go. And I am actually very interested in it. And 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 also yeah. a community life underground and like that mm-hmm. part. I, I like that. I want I want to know how that works in a post-apocalyptic joint.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not optimistic. I I would say, but it's a show that I'm very morbidly curious about. You know, it's definitely one that. I share the same sentiment as Unkempt talk about. There is potential with a main ghoul character. That you know, these, these are creatures that were so irradiated that they've lived for many years, and their brains eventually rot. And there could be a humanizing story there as they kind of lose themselves. It's something that Fallout really never tackled uh, with much tact. I thought, like you would have moments like in Fallout Four, where the Vault Tech representative, you'll meet him again in Good Neighbor if you stay the night at one of the hotels that are there, and it's a really cool moment. Because it's like, holy crap, all these years later after the bombs dropped, here he is, like 200 years later. It's really cool. So there's a great perspective that can be provided there with a main ghoul character. I just hope they stay away from what makes the games the games, right? Which is you are the centerpiece of this universe just saying bonkers shit. And, and, and it's really the supporting cast that lifts you up and how they respond to you and react to you. Because they're all very human-like characters or in some cases mutant-like characters but
3: Mm -hmm.
1: i just hope it doesn't follow the narrative of one of the games i I don't think it will you know the fallout series isn't a stranger to good good ghoul characters though like i think of harold as one of them who's been a mainstay for a while in this series but it's one that i also again i mentioned at the start of this morbid curiosity because i look at it and go Who thought of this and said, this is the next thing we got to do for Fallout is a a TV show. Interesting. Uh, It's just, right? Like, not the game. Not that there isn't some type of game in development. We don't know that yet. But a TV show. I mean, the the business sense is there, obviously. Like, oh, look at The Witcher. Let's have that same effect for Fallout. Okay, sure. I think Fallout Shelter kind of provided you guys that and put you all on the map on a more casual level. But okay, we'll do that. But for the consumer, for the fan base... I don't know what this is actually offering that, you know, we really want from this series, but I'm open to it because like I was, dude, when you were seeing the leaked, did you ever see the leaked set photos for the Witcher where they were wearing the, uh, the trash bag armor yeah, sets, yeah, yeah, man,
3: yeah, yeah. I
1: was shitting on that thing left and right. And then the show comes out and it's actually pretty good. You know, it's a little messy in certain points cause they don't explain
3: certain things. To yeah. You, but, they all over the place. Timeline wise sometimes. Yeah. So you yeah. Cap- yeah
1: but uh you know i i'll keep an open mind cuz you know i was i don't want to say i was per wrong with the witcher cuz again i think there was a lot wrong with the first season but it was way better than i expected and and these video game adaptations have improved so cautiously optimistic but this is a pre halo tv show world where i could see that and it could just wreck my shit and i'll be like you know what never mind never <laughs> uh, mind
3: the only thing i find interesting is that they're pitching a show, <laughs> where's the game? <laughs> like like so so it's like Don't get me started. Yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to get that but that can. but I was thinking, I'm like, it's interesting that they value it to that point that they want to get into entertainment and media, but where's yeah. the game? Where's the mainline yeah. Fallout game? Let, let let's Dude, let's get that going.
1: Again, we got that list of Phil Spencer questions. Number one, oh, when yeah, he's here. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't care about the order, the cadence, the current events. It's like Phil, where's Fallout? What's where's going on? Fallout? Let's do it. All right, let's talk with Paul last next. Hey, Dukes. Uh, As a longtime member of Team Health is Wealth, I love finding ways to gamify my workouts. A few months ago into the pandemic, I got a Peloton bike for my house and haven't looked back since then. Last week, Peloton announced their first video game-based workout. It's an amplitude-style lane rhythm game that you control with the bike. It's not the best game I've ever played, but I think it's a cool step into the future of fitness instruction. Do you guys also like to game up your workouts, or have you tried any game-style training programs? Thanks, Paul. We've talked about gaming up like our, our supplement routine, but have you heard of this? I thought this was actually
3: kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I, I have heard of it. The thing for me is like when I, when he says game, shout out to Paul and, and salute to the health is wealth movement. What I like about it is I always try to include gaming in the workout because it's like – Think of yourself mm. as a character. You're trying to improve. You know Yo, what I'm, I'm saying? the same, man. Yeah. It's so whack, but a- it works. Easy, but it works. It's like you're yeah. leveling up. You're getting experience. You know? Yeah. Let, me put, let me put one more yeah. of my strength a- attribute here. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. My endurance is up. Like it, It's a fun thing. So with me, gamifying is more the music, the mindset, and and, and bringing geek culture to it, right? And then the second yeah. part for me, I will give, I, I know we got to talk about the Xbox One episode again. Please watch it if you can. Um mm-hmm. on, on Defined Duke Ultimate was that Connect did a good job, man. Connect, I know people clown it, but they really did a good job with Xbox Fitness and a lot of their internal apps and they made it fun. They really did. They were a step above the 360 Connect, you know. And for now, like I said, I just try to uh, try to implement the mindset is the best mm-hmm. I do right mm-hmm. now. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really can't add anything to that because I I do the same thing, you know, character in mind. Uh, I I, I put on the music that gets me amped from probably the latest games I'm playing or ones like historically I've played. That's the trick. That's the trick because I used to try to be normal gym guy. I was listening to like 50 Cent. I love 50, right? But like, I just, I tried to pump it up in the gym. I'll listen to a little heavy metal because i hear people in the gym like i'm like that's got to be the hype up no man it's video games that shit works throw on a dark souls boss track i'm putting out an extra set yeah it's just it's done it's Um, there.
3: it's it's funny especially like tough boss encounters and things that you went through you like oh i remember Mm. what i was doing i don't know what it is about video game music it connects with me more emotionally during a workout and i'm hip-hop to the core and it's funny you said that so it's like I can't really, with me, I can't really do cardio to hip hop because I'm too busy talking to the words, and then you're out of breath. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't be You can't help the rap the whole time. Like, the whole <laughs> word, you trying to, you know, like, nah. Like, I can do that sometimes when it comes to lifting. But when it comes to, gun, you know what I'm talking about. When it comes no, I gun, don't. that's why it's so funny. <laughs> listen, man, I can't do that. Like, so for me, it's funny because I listen to some real, like, again, like I know right now, Halo Infinite soundtracks on my joint right now. I got a lot of Tekken music. I'm a big yeah, Final Fantasy Seven nerd. Some of the Boston Count is there. And like, I was listening to Sephiroth's music. And it's just like, it takes me to that place when you're in the yeah. mix and it makes me push through. It's weird. Yeah,
1: absolutely. No, it's not, I, th- I think it works. And, and legitimately, ladies and gentlemen, if you have an ego about it, you got to be the normal gym guy. Just throw on the game soundtrack. You'll be yes. surprised how effective it is and, and See, how you connect to that moment. Support the devs buy the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Michael Buffles up next. I thought this writing was just hilarious. Hey, Dukes, since you guys are Mets fans, sorry about that. I thought of a good comparison to Sony and Microsoft. The Yankees are like Sony with a great history of success resting on their methods that have led to said success and cultivating talent from within. Aaron Judge might be the naughty dog of the team while Gary Sanchez is the media molecule. (laughs) Then you have the Mets. Less history, very little success, and ownership that never got it right. But then comes Steve Cohen and all of his money to just buy anything he wants to help him bring a championship to the Mets fan base. Francisco Lindor is his Zenimax, and Max Scherzer is his Activision. Hope you guys have got your tickets to opening day on April 1st, but the season won't start until June kind of day. I just mm, I love this. I love this very personally tailored writing. It was
3: good, Mike. I, I like where you go with it. Not everything is one-to-one. I but don't I,
1: think the Xbox and the Mets. Yeah, they the had Xbox success. They yeah, had way yeah. more success than the Mets. Way
3: more successful than the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it, Xbox would probably be more closer to the Yankees on some level, but I, I understand what he's saying with the Yankee part to Sony on pedigree, but if you look at the way Xbox is operating right now, mm. to me, they mirror the Yankees in the Steinberg era where it was just acquisition, acquisition. Mm. They are getting this person, they getting that. I remember when it, like whoever was the biggest free agent that the okay. Yankees were snatching. Like Tex, you know A-Rod. A-Rod, yeah, A-Rod whoever, text it to Sarah, yeah. like any the big pictures, they were acquiring. Like it was just mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. I, I like where he's trying to go with it, and there are some some things here. But um, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's fun. I just I just like what Xbox is competing as far as from an acquisition standpoint yep. and trying to improve. So I do like this because this is actually good fun. And uh, yeah, well, look out for them next, though. Look out for them next. Mm, yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. They're coming. They're coming. Whether the season starts in April or not, they're No, happen. that's
3: another story. If you're an athlete,
2: you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey
3: as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can
0: damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you.
1: All right. We got two very kind write-ins that I wanted to shout out here as well. Then we'll get into our true beginning questions. First one goes to Jordan Feldado or Felduto, Sorry, Maddie. I was listening to the last episode of DD when you told us about how the numbers dipped after Carrick left and how you took it a bit personally. I wanted to remind you how you got here and where you are now. You started an Xbox podcast on a platform created by someone who has solely associated with PlayStation's brand for close to 15 years. After waltzing into enemy territory, you planted your flag and began to set up shop. PC deals of the (laughs) week, barely any write-ins, comments saying, if you want to be like Colin, you should. It wasn't an easy start. You pushed through, though. Losing Carrick was just like the high school girlfriend you thought was a forever thing, but then bails, saying it's her, not you. Then you meet the person you were truly meant to pair with, the greatest hype man since Flavor Flav, Lord Cognito. What I'm saying is you should be proud. DD has risen from the underdog to neck and neck with sacred symbols. Happy 60th episode. I can't wait to see what the show brings next. I just wanted to thank Jordan for this and many people who wrote in uh, because it takes good people to just go out of your way to, to write in Cause I had been over it for some time. Like I kind of left it in the past in December um, and tried to move on, but I, I just appreciated everyone writing it. Not even about me, just about our show. Yeah. It, it really meant a lot. And it's funny that they mentioned that you, sh- if you want to be like Colin thing, cause I completely forgot for mm-hmm. those who don't know, and Freaking came down. in with defining Duke. I started with side quest videos here on last stand. Like I remember emailing Colin cause I heard him say that Sweeney and Chris were going to do YouTube videos. And mm-hmm. I had a ton of extra time where I was like, well, let me just see if, like, Colin's interested. I was like, hey, dude, like, I make a ton of videos. Like, I'd love to have an avenue to talk about PlayStation games. You know, I can make videos for you if you'd like. Colin was all about it. Um, mm-hmm. I just sent him the videos. They, he, he titled them, upload them, and uh, they'd be good to go. And a lot of the comments were costly who the fuck is this maddie guy <laughs> who the fuck is you could probably go find them all like people it. were really against it so yeah there is a degree of waltzing in enemy territory that did occur that i, I completely forgot about but uh yeah. just a little history lesson for those who started listening with dd and didn't catch those videos but i I thought that was really funny and thank you jordan for, for writing with that it you know, does mean a lot
3: that, that's so dope and, and a lot of it actually i didn't know so it's cool mm-hmm. for me to learn you know that the history and yeah, man, look, you stuck with it, and, and we're building something now special. I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm glad for Hell people yeah. writing in and saying the kind words because, again, I know I get a lot of credit, but I always defer the credit a lot back to you, brother. Like You really started something really special, and I love what we're building here, and it's cool to see people appreciate the the origin stories to to where it is, right? And, and that's you, dope.
1: Man. That's dope. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. We couldn't do it without you, so... It's a team effort. That's team why, effort. you know, like on a side note, like we're, I'll, I'll say this much next uh, DD, DDU episode is an interview. And a lot of people are like, you know, Maddie, well, why didn't you do the interview by yourself? Like Colin, it's like, well, and this is no offense to Colin and how they operate their interviews, but I don't want to make this all about me. And I'm not saying Colin's doing that to make it all about him, mm-hmm. but I want it to be a team thing. Like even, you know, we talked about adding a third person. Eventually, we don't know when that'll happen, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, like this is something that like, even when that happens, like I, I want the team on board, like yes. maybe sometimes one of us will have to bow out. Maybe sometimes I'll have to do an interview with myself or cog will do it by himself. Like, that's fine. But as often as it can, I want it to be about us, not just one of us, because I, I think that, that lifts the whole
3: show up. No, I agree. And, and I love the flexibility there. And I also like it's a differentiator because at the mm-hmm. end at the end of the day, you know, everyone has their lane and it's cool. You know, everyone has to be do exactly what the other person is doing. And, and I actually like that aspect of it
1: yeah and again it just speaks to you know why last stand works which is just we kind of run our shows the way we want to exactly so you know we don't have to do like what colin does and Colin us to do we do
3: and so we have the freedom creative. to do it so salute the last Stand. like it's so cool absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely
1: all right this one's for you Cog. brandon stark writes in howdy gents I'd like to shout out and thank COG for getting me hyped for Destiny again. I've been playing on and off since 2014 and didn't see myself coming back for this expansion. As of the time of writing, I feel like a kid on Christmas waiting for the game to go back online with the new content. No question, just a fun thought. Thanks for reading and have a, you're in a queue because the servers are at capacity on launch day kind of day i mean Cog, yeah. you get a ton of positive writings every week but this one man i'd say you gotta give yourself a tip of the cap because you're leading the charge on a little sliver of our audience that's all about destiny and so you're getting them back in
3: yeah man i was surprised to be honest like how many people hit me up it was like yo I'm coming back. And they yeah. always do a smart thing with the expansion, and we'll get into what, what I'm playing and stuff like that, unless you want me to transition right in. Let's transition. That's kind of what I was right setting in. up. Yeah, so it's perfect setup. So, yeah, like it's, it's always fun to see people hit me up like, yo, you know, I'm thinking about coming back. Because the, the biggest deterrent when Destiny drops a new expansion is people like, yo, I hate feeling left behind right? And you guys are so much powerful, your light is so stronger, and I'm playing catch-up, but no one wants to help me. And the beauty that they did probably about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, is just say, hey, when the new expansion comes out, everyone is reset at that the newest light level, and they're on the same level. And you can mm-hmm. play together at the thing. Let me tell you right now, look, not exaggerating, because I am a fanboy for this game, but the Witch Queen right now, I'm about halfway through. Okay, This is... Arguably, so far the greatest oh. Destiny campaign I've played. Oh, <laughs> like, okay, it's living up. Okay. It is truly living up. And, and the thing nice. about it that I love right now is one of the major complaints I've always had is they have this great lore, great story, all these characters, but I never got the sense of a connected universe all the time. Mm. Oh no, no, this is their end game. This is this is mm. Destiny end game. Savathun is here. Shout out to the voice actress Deborah Wilson. Oh my god, she is killing! It. I don't know if you've paid attention. She took over the Twitter account for Destiny account. Yeah, I,
1: I, I saw that change. I saw that change.
3: She. Let me tell you. Every time she character she voices this character. Bro, she makes you uncomfortable. She's cunning. She, You don't know what to expect. Like, the way this was plotted and they schemed to take the light away from... They're using Guardians' own power against them. And the way it's written and it's just... It, it's it been building up for about a couple of seasons. They've really landed the plane. And now I'm playing a nice. campaign. I will say that... um. The, the other issue that most people had with it was that the campaigns always felt easy. You just smashed through it. So you never really felt a threat with the Taken King because it's like, you just smashed through it until you got to the raid. With this, oh your legendary is the perfect difficulty. There is something oh, to be said nice. when you're fighting Hive Guardians and they're using supers that can one hit you mm. and it's a challenge, bro. And I will say that the, the skyboxes, absolutely stunning like her throne world sabatoos it's just decadent and it's amazing and then there's some great twists and turns i don't want to spoil too much Ooh. there's so much depth here and yeah they, they got it bungie did their homework this is probably one of the most exhilarating campaigns. and i, I spoke to people who finished it and they said "Cog, they did that so mm. which queens out go pick it up if you want to get back into Destiny, this is the time. Now is the mm-hmm. time. You're going to be at light level with everyone. And hey, you know, hit up hit up your boy. You know, we can help people out with strikes. The mm-hmm. clan is almost at capacity. So if you hit me up, it might be too late at this point. <laughs> but we, we fill up 100. We do attendance checks. Hey, you haven't played two months? All right, boom, out. <laughs> get the next one. Yeah, yeah, I remember you said that. Yeah, yeah, so that's so, what it is. But you, learned. on the other hand, have been playing yeah. something that right now the streets are talking critically acclaimed. Undeniable. Yes, yes, is. what is Undeniable. this game you've been playing
1: uh i've been playing Elden ring uh, <laughs> i got it last week uh, i've had it for eight days and i've already got about 55 hours in which you know i want to clarify for people uh i've done those types of hours for games like i i didn't like or uh wasn't crazy about like i think of assassin's creed games where i'd like just get to the end and yeah it would require a lot of hours but this was like totally because i was absorbed and i want to use this punchline because it. It resonated with way more people. Like I was actually seeing it being tweeted uh, in my like in my mentions. Like Maddie said this, which I typically never see that about myself. Like Maddie said that, <laughs> but like even in the comments, it was used a lot. Uh, I said that this game I have not been hooked to one quite like this in Skyrim, and I mm. genuinely feel that it is uh, it is that same captivation that I never thought I'd experience again in a video game. Where as I'm going around the open world, like with Skyrim, I remember being like a fucking like like addict like I was itching for the next like where is the next thing I can discover and like over you know I'd use the map bar and in Skyrim you'd find like the next cave the next story the next encounter the next faction like there was always a new thing presented to you and every new thing didn't feel like it followed a template it's why for over a generation people followed Skyrim it you know it's why so many games to this day still copy Skyrim it's why I think Assassin's Creed Odyssey I want to say it was before it came out was saying we're going to be bigger than Skyrim Mm. like it was that definitive of a game and that's why when I said Skyrim I was happy to see people were like understanding what I was getting at with Elden Ring being that type of game because the biggest compliment I can pay it is it is a true culmination of everything From Software has worked on you know they have spent years teaching us lessons right Mm -hmm. in bloodborne be aggressive in sekiro patience and deflections movement stealth in dark souls of course that's the the definition of patience and what we didn't realize is with each of these games the design of them was teaching them something as a developer it was i think demon souls was about art and atmosphere of -hmm. course challenge but I think the real master of the challenge was in Dark Souls where there was interconnectivity in a somewhat open world area in the first game. Nothing quite like it. And then Bloodborne said, go at your enemy and your enemy is going to come at you just as fast. And Sekiro taught taught them how to do movement. And all of this pools together in this magnum opus open world that is Elden Ring. It is this triumph of game design that just melds everything everything they've learned for over a decade into one title where there's inspiration using out everything you'll see the castles of demon souls the gothic like towers of bloodborne like Mm. from the art to the execution like it's all there and Mm. it's incredible and it's a a really a true feeling of what we always hear todd i would say of see that go there something's there truly beyond the horizon and what's beautiful is i highlighted this in my review as well The game begs you to do a thing that no other game is doing. And it's so stupid. I got to say this. Use your eyes. Use your fucking eyes. Mm. You don't have to look at your mini map. You don't follow a waypoint. I love that. You, You literally just look at the world and you'll see a thing and go there. And since there's danger around every corner, I think that's why the design inherently has you looking because you're looking for danger you're like i don't want to get snuck up on and killed and this Mm -hmm. game's tough don't get me wrong like it's a amazing game but it's tough but that danger is what makes the world so fun to explore when you find a cave you're like all right let's see what we got in here now let's Mm -hmm. see what we have and you'll find a boss at the end you're like shit this is hard like but at the end they reward you properly Mm. it's that i wouldn't even call it a cycle because a cycle demands repetition like a beginning middle end that keeps repeating what's most fascinating about this game is it uses very little templates and anything Mm. that they do use that's reused like i'd say a dragon fight are totally different by design with every dragon fight you encounter they all fight you differently use different abilities to i'd say the most reused asset they have is the catacombs which are still incredibly rare Mm -hmm. but this game follows no template it Mm. defined its own it's literally its own thing and that's why like These reviews for some may be like a a moment of there's just no way. In fact, Colin was talking in our personal discord about like, there's just no way. And I was telling him like, way, like it is, (laughs) it is absolutely that good. It is absolutely that good. It is, uh, it is going to be a, I'll say this right up front. Let's go. No hyperbole. Again, I've had a lot of time to play the game. Let's get it. Think about it it's going to be hard to budge this game off a game of the year list for a
3: Mm. lot of people like it's
1: at least going to sit in the top three for many lists prepare to hear about it for many years this is kind of the breath of the wild moment like and i know a lot of people get tired of hearing about that game i understand but this really is that on a level that uh will be followed and replicated for years to come fortunately not in a fucking art style but hopefully in design in a Mm. way where it's like here's how you Like, we saw inklings of this. Apparently, I haven't played it yet, Horizon Forbidden West did a little bit of this, where you see this, you go there. We also saw Ghost of Tsushima do it in a really great way. That's why that that game really clicked, right? Because it wasn't constantly waypoint checking you. It was using the world and guiding you with the wind. Like, that is where open world games are heading. And if they continue to go that way and Elden Ring's design is followed and at least emulated in some way, we're going to be in a good spot, I think. I think we're going to start to see much more, a much more improved genre.
3: So do you, uh, so I'm sorry not to cut you, but you no, got good. me thinking like, do you think it's a, it's like a moment, like an inflection point on open world game design? Or do you think they just did it better than everyone else?
1: I think it rewrites open world design. Oh, I really wow. Do. It's a moment I, then. I really okay. do. Because okay. what it does is what, I wish so many games did when they transitioned to a new genre is one of my worries going in was, are they going to leave behind what made these games so popular in the first place, Good which point. is the meticulous handcrafted dungeons, the secrets around every corner. And you still have those narrowed down dungeon experiences that are very dark souls, bloodborne that you've come to know and love. But what's amazing is they somehow in that point A to point B travel, also, have those little moments of hold on, there's some runes over there, and that's an enemy I've never seen before. And oh, there's a stair set in these ruins, and it leads to a locked door. And oh, I have the key that I just found nearby. You unlock the door. There's a random boss that's a shadow in here, and behind the door of this shadow is a secret spell that I can't get anywhere else. Like, there are so many moments Fine. that really will, and you won't know it till you play it. Mm. There are moments that you'll see where you go. That was side content, question mark. Like you were again, I'm not, I know it's gonna come across hyperbolic. I'm not gonna get over defensive about it because I absolutely stand by it. Like this Mm. game will if if it will it will develop patience for people because they will love what they see so much, they will love what they're experiencing so much, they will want to get through it. And Mm. I put again on the scope of this game, I think it's worthwhile noting with the hours I put in, I genuinely, I genuinely don't feel close to done. Mm. Like main side content. I have friends that are ahead of me, mm. and they're not close to done. They're in like the seventy-hour area. This is a, bro. I mean, you want to talk about an impressive game?
3: You, I'll be with this one for a while. All I will say is, as a guy who is not a Souls guy, I knew that if they execute this, this had the potential to be outstanding. And the consensus mm-hmm. is what you are saying that this is a moment. This is excellence. And damn it, I might have to try <laughs> um, I'm telling you, man, it might be
1: worth it. Because it's a it, it really is a moment. And it's one that I think I'll always remember. Because again, as a critic, like some games are just another review. And I don't mean that like I treat them differently, but there's a hype level. And when I was playing it. You could even tell amongst the press, like usually people in YouTube and press circles mumble and murmur and you hear things as the process goes along. Yeah. This game was so good. There was like an astute respect mm. for FromSoft on like a leak front, on a conversation front, like the effort level across content and reviews and thoroughness was higher than I've ever
3: seen. This game brought the
1: best out of everybody too, and, and this which is was, something you don't see.
3: Last point I'll say, this game was very much hyped. There was a lot of pressure on this game too. Let's be clear. Yeah. A lot yeah. of pressure coming in, but a rare you, moment man. of
1: true delivery. Yeah, salute. So every game has to be on watch now because Elden Ring has arrived.
3: Elden Ring's outside, y'all. Y'all heard it here mm-hmm. first,
1: Mr. Batty Plays. Oh yeah. So we will we will see what the audience thinks. I'm looking forward to some write-ins on that. Now let's talk more with the audience. Start off with Ricky Pontes who writes in, Hey Dukes! So this past week, Ubisoft has just announced that they are open to any potential acquisitions, which got me thinking, is this a new normal for the time being? Platinum Games is doing it, of course, but I'm wondering, who is going to be next to say, hey, we're open to it also? I truly feel this is a horrible decision that the gaming industry is going towards, and it's unfortunately the inevitable. What do you guys think? Do you think anyone else will openly say this? I mean, I know Sony wants more, but we also know Xbox does. Anywho, have a lose your favorite ip to sony or microsoft kind of day thank you for writing in ricky uh ricky so cog i mean i just thought it was fascinating to hear another team go like yeah yeah, we're
3: we're cool with it we're cool with it when we see these money being thrown around of course we're cool with it everybody's talking man it's like i said we're in a new era 2022 starting off crazy right with with already Mm -hmm. the two mega moves and things else we're going to talk about later but it's I, the way I'm met it, I, the way I'm always a person that thinks that I'm more of a realist in the sense of like, you got to deal with the trends and the inevitable, and sure. I know that there are situations that we have to be very cognizant of that could lead the industry in a way that we may not see right now, right? And I'm I'm aware of that, you know, whether it be from an indica- independent game developer standpoint, from a double A standpoint, that if everything get consolidated yo, you know, that some people are not going to survive if they're not in the subscription model, right? If they're not selected, hey, guy, you know, I, my game's good enough to be, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're not picked. So I understand that. It, I'm not trying to make it seem like it's all sunshine and rainbows and everything is perfect. There are some things you have to look at from a long-term standpoint and be concerned. But again, when we talk to different developers and we talk to people and you you look at the overall health of the industry right mm-hmm. and if you say ubisoft well some people will be like yeah we don't care but i am just say if you say ubisoft <laughs> as you know we'll say as you're gonna go away right you're gonna say bethesda you're gonna go away you can't financially sustain yourself and now bethesda is poofed out of existence Bungie, you can't sustain yourself you're poofed out of existence to me it's the lesser of the evils. They have to figure it out long term mm-hmm. so that everyone can try to, to 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 basically survive and sustain themselves in the subscription model that it, it looks like it's going. But to me, I still think that's a better alternative than studios going away. You know, I i am very passionate about, you know, companies I love and you're like, damn, what happened you know, you know they, were, they were on top of the world and, you know, the midways, the claims. You hear the sure. stuff. There's so many, like, what happened to that studio? And I don't want that. i rather my games live to fight another day. <laughs> That's just Absolutely. where I'm at, man. So I'm always going to be on that. But in, to Ricky's defense, I understand the concern and I understand people like, yo, you know, I don't know, y'all. We got to see. I, I get that. And I, I still have my eye open to that mindset as well.
1: Yeah. It, you know, we're going to see this more and more. And now that companies are seeing the money float around, I, it's funny because like does platinum games look as desperate now that Ubisoft has come out and said the same thing. I think platinum does just given like their original begging of, of scale bound and their current situation, clearly not being that great that they do look a little bit more desperate where Ubisoft is more like, yeah, we're open to it, but we can still stay independent. And I believe them. You've got Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, both these games are moving towards service models and they have for a while and their fans have, have gladly ate up the microtransactions that those games are polluted with. They're teamed up with Nintendo for Mario and Rabbids. Like, I think they could stay independent. Do I think they will though? I don't think so. I think they're like, I thought. I always thought they were one of the next to fall. So this mm. would have, honestly, Ricky, been my pick. Like if, if anyone was going to come out and be like, we're going to sell, I actually would have said Ubisoft. Yeah. Beyond that though, it's hard to tell because I, you know, Kyle, you've brought this up so I don't want to completely steal it from you but there is a lot of pride in these Japanese companies and I think- It'd be foolish for us to be like, oh, Square, oh, Capcom. Um, you know, there, there, there's a pride there that they don't want to go down that way. Not that they won't sell, but I don't think they're going to publicly do that type of stuff uh, mm-hmm. as a publishing arm. By the way, this is different from Platinum, which is like more of an independent developer. Yeah. But they're trying publishing, but hopefully people get my point. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting dis- direction. I think it's a fun direction because again, I'm a sports fan, so I'm just like, who's going where? And actually, we have a news bit here. That kind of functions like a sports transaction where a studio was extracted by Tencent out of another publishing arm, Mm -hmm. where we have now learned you can buy these companies, uh, developers underneath the publishing arm, if you so please. So Mm -hmm. uh, that is something that we will talk about thoroughly here in this episode. But for now, let's move on to number two with, hi, I think I'm real. Hey, Slitterheads, I have a fun one for you, boys. You have the opportunity to forget and re-experience your favorite game for the first time again, but at the cost of living one full week without wearing any clothing, no towels, figs, or anything to cover up, would you take the deal? What game would you be willing to endure it for? Thanks for the content and hope you have a no toilet paper in the public bathroom kind of day. <laughs> I had this at my girlfriend's house the other day, man. It was like, my her house, her house. I was there and there was no toilet paper. She has a bidet though. We were good. But I was like, I texted her because I'm sitting there. I'm like, yo, where's the TP? At? And she's like, all I hear is it through the door. Oh my god, I have none. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, <laughs> what? No <laughs> toilet paper.
3: So, uh, so you had, to bidet had the it out. You bidet had, it out? Yeah, I had the wet butt. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to y'all bidet users. Yeah. Listen, well, yeah. that's where it actually comes into play and it, it, it's a saver, So I give you that. Dude, it was a hose
1: unlike anything else. Oh, All dude. right. So you you taking the clothes off for uh for Destiny 2?
3: <laughs> you know what's funny? <laughs> I thought about it too. Yeah, I had to get butt naked for that stuff.
4: <laughs> really? That's yeah, it. You okay. Know why? That's
3: you know why? Because at first I was like, oh, I'm going to go Halo. I'm going to go Tekken. <coughs> right. But I got to be real. Like, I got to start XCOM? really. No, XCOM is worthy. They're butt naked worthy. There's no doubt. <laughs> this, is, this is the butt naked chronicles, right? That's what we're doing? Yeah. All right. So, listen. As much... I've never played a game like Destiny. I gotta give Destiny his flowers. Uh, enough yeah. of me downplaying it, like it's this yeah, thing no, that everyone hates. This game is love. This game is love. This game is still going strong. I've never seen a game like this. Mm-hmm. I'm playing a game, what is it? 20, when did this game launch? It was what, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. 10 I am playing a game that I've never played, 10 years strong. And when I pick it up, it's like, it's like you fall in love all over again. The shooting mm-hmm. mechanics, the story, and they're at the pinnacle. Nice. So to his to his point, I wouldn't be who I am without Destiny. Literally. Mm-hmm. Iron Lord's podcast wouldn't exist without Destiny. I don't meet Ibantis because of Destiny. Attic, my one of my best friends, we became friends on Xbox Live because I just say, yo, just try it. And if you try it, I'll buy it. If you hate it, if you don't like it, I'll buy it. Like, we did an Assassin's Creed, Unity, Destiny mm. trade at the time. Oh, Unity, wow. Yeah, and I, he was like, you play Unity, I'm sorry, cool. And if you play it and you like it, we got to rock. We've been friends. I want podcast creates because of that, right? It mm-hmm. mm-hmm. bond just my, my host for the last word. I've met so many people in real life. Destiny, Gary, and just so many content creators that in Fallout Plays we just had on, like, I owe so much to destiny, like it, I really do. It I gotta give it. It I know it's not popular for some, and I know some people can't stand it. But I'm getting butt naked for destiny, straight up. So you gotta yeah. deal with me in in the buff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No man, I, that's no problem. You're in great shape. So <laughs> which <What, laughs> put you doing?
3: What, 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 what you dropping it like it's half for what? That's what I want to uh, know. What man. we doing?
1: It's a lot of options, huh? Um... Yeah, of course, Kotor is on that list, right? Like, just the. And and for me, it's not even like a life impact. It's like, oh man, I could kind of just play that again and not know a thing and just. And and know that I would eventually replay that game like 30 more times. (laughs) Like, oh man, that would just be great to know that I could go in completely blind to that game, not know about the twist, the infamous Kotor twist, and just experience that. Mm. I'll always remember that moment as a kid. So, yeah, there's that. But you got me thinking on the career level, too. And I'm like, Let's what go. game career. had that impact? And it's think so
3: funny. It. I, I might get naked for Fallout 4. I, yeah, that's I, what I'm saying. Let's go. I, I would say it, if I don't hear Fallout or one of the Elder Scrolls, we're going to talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I, I think it's got to be Fallout 4 because while it's not my favorite out of everything BGS made. Actually, Skyrim. I'm sorry. Let's okay. roll it back. Okay, roll right. it back. Let's roll it back. 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 back to the true impact roll here. Back. because. Skyrim was the game that got me started with all of this. I remember a little, little backstory here. I remember sitting down in my computer class and I was ignoring my schoolwork because I would have, I would reread the same Skyrim previews like every other day in class because I was just obsessed with this game. I couldn't wait. I would just see if there was any new screenshots, gameplay details, anything at all. And that's all I did. And then it came out. Made some rare weapon guides. I remember like mm. coming in my room. My email was hooked up to my YouTube account. So all I heard was like the boof, 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 like the updates coming through because so many people were commenting and liking the video and, and they used to send you an email notification for each of those. So I was like leaping up and down in my bedroom and a little I know that was the start of everything. If I didn't cover Bethesda there, then it didn't lead me to Fallout 4, which then event- you know, eventually with how far Xbox has reached with all the other Bethesda-like games I covered through Exile, Obsidian... That I would d- be doing a lot of Xbox content, so that really was in a spider web like way. That moment, where like, yeah, probably more than Kotor, if I'm talking about a life impact. You know, Skyrim's the 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 butt naked game. That's the
3: brother. Listen, the way you just describe, that's why I know both of we both said the correct choices because mm-hmm. the way you just described that with Skyrim. I remember going to Reddit post. That's the game crucible, and I'm reading the minutiae on weapon rolls and perk combinations, and this is a god roll, and that. And I'm writing this stuff down, and I'm playing in my app mm. outside of the game, and I like I can't wait to test this build when I come home. Like mm. that's when you know when the game transcends outside of the house, and you're yeah. still thinking about it, and then on top of that, have an impact on you as a creator. By far, it's yeah. it's that. So we both made. I think we both. In some time,
1: I could see Elden Ring like entering that list because you, the, what you just mentioned about the like being away from it and thinking about it, it's not just being away from it, but when I was waking up this last week, man, it was like a trance. Like I woke up and I was like, oh, I gotta fucking work today. I love my yeah, job, bro's. But I was like. I was like, I I need to go play Elden Ring. And like, I would try to think of ways I could cheat some time. And I was like, this is bad. I was like, this is bad.
3: i have never like this. When you don't want to do real life responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And you sit there. Like, I literally forced myself to go to the gym. Yes, it was the day before. Because I was sick. I really should have stayed home. But I was like, you know what? I know what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Destiny's going to drop. Let me get this in now so I can at Mm -hmm. least have gotten in some work this week. Mm -hmm. Because I know how I get with that game. And, yeah, there's only only certain games that do that to you. So, yes, that's to throw it up. Drop it like it's hot game. (laughs) Yeah, there we go.
0: Number three
1: goes to Raymond Stewart, who writes, And hey, Dukes, in regards to Xbox needing more shows like Nintendo Directs, personally, I want to hear more about what's going on, just like everyone else. But I have some concerns. I'd encourage you to go back to Maddie's video on Gamescom 2021. This this man went into the archives, and I I, I had to defend myself on this a little bit. Or not even defend myself, but rather admit defeat here. Mm -hmm. He says, Maddie was less than impressed. Quote, it was something, end quote. The issue is one of expectations. Rarely does Nintendo come out with their Directs pleasing everyone. People are always disappointed by not seeing their games or seeing genres they don't love. Fans and content creators are so hard to please, it just feels like the better approach is one or two big preview events and then have dedicated videos leading up to launch like they did with Forza Horizon 5. So, you are on record of wanting more shows. How does Xbox keep expectations in check and not generate negative, pardon me, I'm burping a lot this show, negative Mm -hmm. feedback from disappointed fans? Or, is this a case where less is more? Have a, my mom throughout your entire video game collection when you went to college kind of day. Why, why are moms yo, doing this, man? Moms be foul, yo. I mean, yeah, yeah. Moms do that. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw a video on uh, TikTok. My girlfriend showed me one time where someone, uh, their whole Pokemon collection was like given away to Goodwill. And these dudes were like saying, go to Goodwill right now because like college kids are moving out. So like in September is a good time to go to Goodwill because people are just getting rid of cards. And you'll find these packs of like $100 worth cards in, in, in like a dollar Goodwill ba- package. No. And it's just insane. Alright, so we talked about this at the end of last week's show and we were like, hey, we should have a conversation on this. Funnily enough, Raymond wrote in saying, like, hey, let's let's set this up. What's what's going on here? I'll I'll start it off just because I, I am mentioned in this and I definitely am on record of saying like you. the this Xbox Gamescom show like trashing it. I've trashed pretty openly the gameplay showcase. So I definitely get why it sounds like, Well, why would you want more shows from Xbox? And the way I look at it, Cog, and I'm I'm sure you'll probably end up agreeing, is we're entering a time with Activision Blizzard King, ZeniMax, Xbox's first-party studios they already own, where I feel like there's coming a time where all these games are going to deserve the attention. Like, you can't tell me that, as much as I love Starfield, you can't tell me that it deserves more attention than, a, than Avowed, Obsidian's attempt at Skyrim, and more attention than Hellblade 2, this transition from indie to AAA with insane production values and perfectionists at uh, Ninja Theory, to a game with Xbox Legacy, like Fable being handled by Playground, arguably your best studio in a lot of ways. Like, each of these games deserve their moment to be shown off extensively. And when you look at things like studios having preset cadence, Todd Howard, big showcase for his game, whether it's something we know like Fallout 4 or Fallout 76, like these new things in these well-known series, to something like Starfield, I doubt that's going to change. How do you fit that in while also doing all of these other games that deserve attention and i'm like well you guys need maybe not a regular monthly show i don't think it needs to be that mandated but you guys need a show that you can say hey uh, let's call it xbox direct xbox direct is coming and it's going to be march 2nd and we're going to talk just about starfield this episode hey we got a 20 minute xbox direct coming in april we're highlighting third-party deals and indies Hey, we got a May Xbox Direct coming. We're showing off the next trailer for Hellblade 2 alongside some other third-party deals. Uh, and then we could do a Game Pass Direct. Like I feel like Xbox is going so wide now with all of these companies. And when you get into that cadence of potential rolling quarter, quarter first-party games between Bethesda, uh, between Activision Blizzard, Xbox's first parties, third-party deals, day one Game Pass deals... There's so much to talk about. You need a platform to support that. So Raymond's right. I, I bend the knee. I did trash these older showcases. And I can understand why it's an eyebrow razor. Where I was like, well, they should do a direct because that's more of a bad thing. Right. But the thing is, I never had an issue with a direct personally. I shouldn't say never, ever. But like, I enjoy them regardless. The presentation, the yeah. setup, the the anticipation, the, the knowing it could drop at a moment's notice. And, and it's there. and It's like tomorrow direct 40 minutes and you're like yo the whole first half of the year for gaming is about to be set xbox has the power to do that i don't know if they do it well on a presentation front but they have the power because they have so many first party games at their fingertips plus third party relationships plus game pass that i feel like it's a no-brainer for them to take this ball and run with it because they can sort of set the new industry standard with all that they're doing so uh that is my say on how Xbox can do a show, how do they keep expectations in check? You got Aaron Greenberg on the case, man. He's he's got this on lock. He, he's always checking <laughs> expectations. So let Aaron do his ah. thing. But Cog, let me dish it to you. I've de- I've defended myself enough. Uh, how do you feel about Xbox Direct? In the meantime, I can hear you. I'm going to turn off the heat because it is Go
3: hot. It. Yeah, it's hot. It's hot. Do, do what you got to do. I, I listen. I agree with mostly a lot of what you said. I, I think that you just come listen. For the record, I am a huge fan of the big show that Xbox does. I like the E3-like event. So when they do the Microsoft Bethesda Conference last year, I like those meaty 90-minute shows of games, games, games. And it's just, it's an event for me. It takes me to a place of E3. And I love that type of stuff. I love the fanfare with it. But to Maddie's point, you know, we talked about all this consolidation. We talked about all these studios. And then we're talking about, you know, the original... Xbox Game Studios that will start to bear fruit, and they're going to need their time to shine. The Avowed, the the Starfields, the you know Hellblade. Like you, it gets to a point where you can't just try to shove in a, a fifteen minute, you know, like a five to ten minute thing and just breeze past. You know, you, you you've okay. got to give these games attention. And I give Sony kudos. Like I liked, even though I'm not a Gran Turismo guy like that anymore, I like that they did a whole Gran Turismo. Breakdown this is what you're gonna get horizon forbidden. West. here's a breakdown. This is what you're gonna get when it's their big banger like they Give it that treatment, right? So mm-hmm. to me, I still think they keep the big shows I do think they have to adapt though. They, they're gonna have to come up with some happy medium of filling in content because you there's no way when these games start hitting that you're gonna be able to pack all this stuff in a ninety minute show, and then mm-hmm. what are you gonna give us a three hour show once a year? Like 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 it's gonna get too crazy. So I think they have to figure out a cadence. I don't. I definitely don't want. Um, inside, Fox, I'm sorry I'm not I've never been a fan of inside. Express no disrespect <laughs> to the people it's just not my cup of tea it's not for me it feels more like a marketing thing that I'm here for the games I'm not necessarily here for the personalities I don't want to see anybody <laughs> I don't want I'm next that guy I, I mean listen people are like hey I don't want to see you great like, nicer so, than me right now yeah I'm like <laughs> I, I, hey, hey guy take it away Jim no I don't want to see none of that <laughs> you know that stuff I'm talking about like I don't want to do. see that gamers want to see the game you you could you could show the person, and then after that, I don't want to see you again. And just show gameplay and talk about it in the background and, and wow us. And, and that's where I'm at. So I think they have to make an adjustment. An adjustment has to happen, especially mm-hmm. with the Activision Blizzard King thing. So mm-hmm. I'm with you, and, and I, I think this is a great question, Raymond, because we got to see how they handle it. This is this is one of those abundance of riches problems now, right? Yeah, you got to yeah. figure it Good out. Point. Well said. Yeah, so
1: we'll see. I think it'll be something that they don't have to answer now, but I think they they need to be in an active process preparing for this because if they start to do kind of what State of Play did where they're like, we're doing this thing and it's just, it, it it feels so much like an afterthought. Like, that's what you don't want because I think PlayStation liked the formula but doesn't have the content to support it. Xbox in about a year and change should have the content to support it and we're not accounting for other acquisitions that could, I don't think they will, but could happen in that time frame.
3: I do want to, it- just push back on one I do like when PlayStation does like for example like I Ghost of Tsushima sold me more when I first... When, I, when they did that, when they do like... Dedicated the, stuff? Yeah, yeah, when it's the Yeah, that's really, good. I like that. I like that. Now, I'm with you on State of Play. I'm like, yeah. you know, yeah. all the time. But I like when it's a State of Play for just the one title and you I close agree. the release and you give me the director I breakdown agree. I'm like, okay, you're yep. selling me. I'm in. I'm yep. chasing the wind. I'm, I'm doing yeah. the alloy <laughs> thing. I'm doing all the things you want me. I'm chasing foxes, whatever you want me to do. Yep. I'm in. So that that part I like. So I, I do want... Xbox 2 to treat their AAA a little bit with that level of respect and reverence. Totally.
1: No, totally with you on that. Is that a PlayStation trophy flashing in the background, by the yeah, way? We, that you we, got got, some,
3: we got some little we got little Sony love today. You, you know? got the platinum and, trophy? And we the platinum, We got No, 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 that's not the platinum. That's actually Xbox's achievement logo. Right, with the, with the, oh, yeah, 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 oh okay. Yeah, I can't yeah. see it just because of the camera. Yeah, but the PlayStation logo is underneath flash. So it's the okay, PlayStation, gotcha. and then it's the Xbox achievement trophy above the PlayStation. Nice, chip, so Xbox nice. fan, don't come for me. I got everything. I got it. We got everything. Nice. We got Oculus. We yeah. got Nintendo Switch. We out here. Yeah, this is the gamer room, man. It's the gamer room. All right, next
1: writing goes to AnFam. Hey, Dukes, with a majority of games nowadays are either free-to-play or vast open-world games, do you ever feel a drain from the, monotonous of, the monotony of gaming? If so, how do you deal with it? Me, I have a routine. I'll play a modern open-world game then a small indie game followed by an old linear PS3 game. This routine breaks it up and also helps with my backlog. For example, I just finished Odyssey, an Assassin's Creed game, finishing up Sifu, then I will follow it with the PS3 Simpsons game. I hope you guys have a muster up enough energy to do leg day, but forgot your headphones type of day. Oh, that's real. Mm
3: -hmm. That's real. that's a person. I have, I
1: have forgotten my headphones before. And let me tell you, those workouts are not the same anymore. I I lost my pause. like
3: kryptonite, bro. Like you don't have to use music. It's so true. I I almost just hear too much. I'll drive back home. I've done it before. I'm not done before as well. Salute to air fan. Love this question. Um, great question. I, I I agree with him. I think that, you know, you got to I call it, um, almost like the, Palette cleansing game sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. you just need that smaller experience you know in between games shout out to um, we had Ariel Knight on for never year he's, he's got his game and games of and it's a runner and I don't really play runners like that I've never really played a runner like that and it was just fun I was rocking the little tunes getting my beat on mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and then you got that in between your major games and your seafood your destinies and all other stuff that's going on so I agree I, I like those type of games because i think sometimes i feel for you maddie because as a reviewer of games professionally on your, you know in your channel like you've got to go from like okay i'm doing this big mega blast to the next i'm already big, working on the next one so yeah i feel <laughs> you bro like i'm like there's a part of me like man i don't know how he does it like he just endured crossfire x and then he you know yeah
1: yeah it's a le- less glamorous
3: part of it all but yeah it's okay. it's, that's it's, it's fun that's the part I got so much respect for you, so much respect for my team, lordsagamer.net. Like, these guys, you know, we, that's why we try to disseminate. Like, it's all just you. At least I got a team to say, okay, you didn't do this one, this one. Like, you, regardless, if it's the big thing, it makes sense for for you and your channel to cover mm-hmm. it. And, yeah, the, the palate cleanse is, is very important, I feel, mentally, you know, between those type of races. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for me, Retro Rebound has been a really key part of the mental palate cleanse because I never in good conscience went back to old games. I'm like, oh, I had it to the collection and hopefully I'll get to it. And I tried to do retro reviews on the main channel, Mr. Matty Plays, and it just it worked like I can do re-reviews of like modern games like those are fine. Like I've done it with Bioshock. That was my first one. And since then, that was 2017. Like I've done a couple every year uh so i can kind of satiate that desire to go back but with retro rebound like there are games that are on my ps2 on my game boy advance on my gamecube et cetera, et cetera that i want to go back and play like i don't know without retro rebound if i'd be going back and playing final fantasy 6 and beating it for the first time ever uh but it's you know again it's it's stuff like playing that and then going into elden ring it's like holy shit we've come far you know it's it's just a testament also like Elden ring kind of can restore a lot of people's faith in modern game design but true I digress. Again, it's a once-in-a-generation type game, so I don't want to get too carried away with it because there's not going to be many games like it. But you know, for me, that palette cleanser really comes in the form of having, kind of like AnFam, an old game in the cycle, having mm-hmm. something moving. Now, AnFam has a more regulated one, like modern, indie, and old. old and I respect yeah. that. That's, a, respect that's that. a good one. For me, I don't think my indie cadence is super strong because I know a lot of them can at times try to follow a template like by doing like they'll pick a genre and then they'll always have like the one weird outlying thing that doesn't make sense to belong here, but they put it in there hoping it'll become meme potential. And I just like, that's why I appreciate games like Sable where I'm like, you guys are just doing your thing, Right. You're doing what you want to do with your game. You're not trying to be something. You're try- trying to hit the Twitter feed. Like mm-hmm. you're trying to just make a game. Mm-hmm. Uh So my indie cadence is a little lacking, but when I dive in, like with, um, I always forget the name of it, and it's a, it was a top 10 game of the year for me last year. You'd think I'd remember un, Unsighted. Oh, yeah. Unsighted. Yeah, that's a game that's super unique. So. No doubt. Shout out to the Indie Grind. But uh, thank you for writing in, Fam, and uh, that's a little thought on our process. We'll get into mm-hmm. our last question, and then finally, the news. This one I missed, Cog, so I wanted to chat with you on it. VRG writes in, Yo, my Dukes, did you guys hear that Nick from Xbox era leaked Project Wormwood? It is an RTS game that's being made by one of Bethesda's studios. I know RTS isn't exactly exciting for most folks, but my most played Xbox 360 game was the Ubisoft World War II RTS called Ruse. So, I'm interested. What Zenimax IPs would work well for an RTS game? Why is Microsoft putting out so many RTS games like Halo Wars and Age of Empires? Which, just on a side note, I think it's great that they're doing that, because that, it's great that that genre is being supported. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Cog. Yo, hmm. yeah, shout out to special Nick. That's that's the homie. I know, I know him. Um, mm-hmm. shout out to the whole Xbox era. They're coming up on, I think they're coming up on like two hundred episodes. They got a big milestone coming up. Salute to them, man. They great yeah, team. Yeah. They run a great website as well. Um, yeah, like this is my first time hearing of it. Um, hey, Zenimax RTS. Let's see what you do. Let's see, we'll see what's going on outside. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the to the question to to Vrg's question, as far as you know, why they're putting out. I think you need the diversity in genre. I I feel it's huge on PC, which is a market you're trying to you know put a, put a stranglehold on, and you gotta have those type of games. As far as what Zenimax IPs would work well for an RTS game, mm-hmm. hmm. that one I couldn't think of. I was just like Fallout did Shelter. I mean, yeah, I really can't think of Elder Scrolls in that way. I don't know. I was like, I, I really was struggling mm. thinking of a of a, a Zenimax IP rts so i'm gonna lean you there like you i'm gonna defer to you on that one like what what do you think did you have a game in mind that maybe could work absolutely oh let's go break it down
1: elder scrolls really? if they're not doing an elder scrolls rts here i don't know what they're doing because i think of you know let's think of their known ip first across the whole entire family mm-hmm. uh, El- uh the evil within doom uh ghostwire tokyo Deathloop, dishonored Fallout, Elder Scrolls... Uh, yeah, now you think about I, I, it, yeah. Stein, Like, there's just none of them... All the different territories. My, the at thing, least on yeah. paper, none of them make sense. But Elder Scrolls, like, by default, seems like the yeah, obvious yeah. choice. Unless it's a new IP, right? Because it's a new IP, that's another thing. But True. at Elder Scrolls RTS, this is something that when Carrick was on the show, we fired off on right away. We were like, yo, these are the type of crossovers... Provide this is like a Microsoft-driven thing. I don't know if it is. But these are the type of crossovers that we were talking about, like getting an Age of empire style Elder Scrolls game, like Age of Empires Tamriel, would be okay, okay. so exciting, in me. my opinion, right? I just feel the idea of bringing people closer to what makes an Elder Scrolls game Elder Scrolls, because a lot of it, there's a term for it that someone in the comments can remind me, or maybe you know it, Cog. There's a term for video game storytelling that kind of shifts from game to game because it's passed on by word of mouth. With an Elder Scrolls RTS, the the potential is there as well because of the lore in my eyes. Like when you read some of the books in the RTS, or I'm sorry, in, in the mainline Elder Scrolls games, like they define actual legitimate wars that occur throughout the history of Tamriel. And obviously I can't just summon one out of my head right now, but you can read about them. And in fact, if one thing I can say is when you look at Skyrim, and you read some of the books that are clearly teasing where Elder Scrolls 6 is heading which is uh Hammerfell um they they kind of note this uneasy peace between uh, the Thalmor which is like the the dark elves um the empire and as well as the the citizens of Hammerfell and so i could see like that turning into a big battle that Elder Scrolls 6 is centered around so maybe making a game kind of highlighting these wars these battles that occurred that display why tensions have rose and of course famously in Skyrim there's the Civil War like making an actual battle out of that I I just I would be very disappointed by default if this is not an Elder Scrolls RTS so I just think there's a lot of potential here and this is a pretty exciting leak that I don't think got much traction I didn't even catch it like most times anything Bethesda leaks like just by association alone, I just, I get sent my way. I'm just, I don't miss a thing with them. Uh-huh. Um, it's just, be, I don't even have the choice to, but this one I did, so I was I was pretty excited about it.
3: Yeah, no, you nailed it. I, not, the more I thought about it, I was like, nah, Maddie's right. Matt, <laughs> it makes perfect sense. And then it, it, it reminds me, it's such a big name. You can bring it in any genre. And like you said, the history. Then I was even thinking about ESO, how, you know, they went from different regions. There's so much lore. You could you could go mm-hmm. prequel, you go in a, you go so many directions where, yeah, and, man. and no, I agree. You you You, you nailed it.
1: Let's go. Welcome to the team. Team Elder Scrolls <laughs> RTS. All right. We got news to get into a lot of it this week revolving around Call of Duty, Xbox, BioWare. So let's get cozy and chat, shall we? Starting off with our number one item on the news list. If you're sitting, firmly grasp onto your seats. If you're driving, please do remain focused as the road, on the news Oh my God, I fuck up my jokes all the time. Why do I even bother writing them? (laughs) Let's try it again. If you're driving, remain focused on the road as this news may shock you so much it could cause you to veer off the road. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a Call of Duty delay for the first time in two decades. Word comes by way of Bloomberg with the exclusive report. It is said that the reasoning behind the delay of Treyarch's 2023 Call of Duty is due to internal expectations not being met with the series' most recent entry, Vanguard. It has nothing to do with Microsoft acquiring the company. The plan is to fill the gap with add-on content for 2022's Call of Duty, the sequel to Modern Warfare, as well as a new Warzone experience next year. The beneficiary of this delay is Treyarch, whose most recent foray in the popular FPS franchise was the co-development work on Vanguard, where they handled the zombies mode. So Cog, this is not officially announced yet. Last time we talked about, you know, the sequel to Modern Warfare, this new Warzone experience that was announced but nothing yet on activision's front however jason schreier who did report this news has been pretty accurate with everything that's occurred lately with microsoft and activision so i want to tap you on the shoulder first here how do you feel about call of duty being delayed and while it's being said reports are clearly saying this has nothing to do with microsoft do we buy that do we think there's a factor at play here with Xbox being in the mix somewhere? Because they're not owned by them yet. Like, legally, they have no say on this. But do you think the knowledge of, hey, this is coming, we are independent now, but we are imagining we won't be soon, do you think they make this leap of faith knowing that a lot of people will be out by the time any damage is done with no Call of Duty for a year?
3: It's very possible. It's very possible. Um, This shocked me, truly. I mean we talked about it before and we were like, you know, the idea of them missing a year, but could they truly miss a year? Like this thing is a cash cow, even on its down year, right. With Vanguard, it is still by far the number one selling video game, you know? So I'm just sitting there. I'm like, you know, I, I just think about the, the shareholders, the boardroom and walking away from that money. And as much as I want personally as a gamer for the game to take a break and those developing studios to actually be able to do other things, I just was like, Well, maybe that boardroom, I'm not I'm being too optimistic. Uh, you know, the boardroom gonna rent out. I actually like this. Now obviously the report says, you know, that this was Activision, you know, on, on Activision's doing but i i kind of lean with you on some level too which is like okay it could be but you also as activision could know you're about to be acquired right you also as activision know that there's going to be a new day and that the former regime who wanted you to pump out them yearly is not going to be in power and now you make this decision i mean we also have to look at the timing of this this thing right you know this wasn't said prior to acquisition, right? So, mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. I can assume. That's all I can do. I can just assume what the information has given right now. So right now, overall, I'm happy. I, I like yeah. this. I like this. I, I, bro, you got Warzone. You got take yeah, we don't, a, need don't need it every year. We don't need it every year. And from a development cycle, this is what gets me. What I want, why, why I love this, to switch gears just briefly, I want Madden to do this. Yeah, I want yeah. to take a break. You don't, I know it's easy for me to say it. I know the millions is coming in, but the game will benefit more when you have that bigger cycle. You could actually add more transformative features each time you come back and then we can miss you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, That's this all. Thing is I'm a big part of it. Yeah. You get burnt out and it's just like, I love this. This is great news. I'm with you, Maddie. My gut tells me you can't tell me that there's nothing. I have no information, no no concrete information. But I I feel, my feeling is that there's still a little bit of influence post-Microsoft acquisition but
1: yeah I think it's really hard to imagine that independent Activision says that they're going to delay their Call of Duty game why is that I mean well the numbers are here in front of us we just talked about this week after week that the number one and two best-selling games of the last year were Call of Duty Vanguard at number one and Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War which was 2020's Call of Duty at number two this is important to note because Activision is apparently saying that Vanguard, the best-selling game of the year, did not meet internal expectations. Okay, if it's the number one-selling game in the in that year, what expectations are they reaching for? And you're telling me that they're, as an independent company, gonna gonna make this choice is for the better of the game? Come on, man! Like, absolutely, I think Xbox has a play in this. You know, mm-hmm. I think it might be a little risky if that is the case, just because you don't know if this gets blocked or not. Yeah. And that's a dangerous play. But I think that's where we we bring in part two. The acknowledgement that Call of Duty doesn't need to be around every year. Warzone has proven to them that's like, yo, we can have a thing float around for a number of years and be supported and we're good. I think it also is a confidence statement in Infinity Ward. Like, hey, people love Modern Warfare. I wasn't crazy about the first reboot. Uh, maybe I'll be more crazy about the second, but people, there is a cult Following for Modern Warfare Two, that game when they announced Modern Warfare Two, even I'll be checking it out because I'm like I love Modern Warfare Two, man. I, yeah, that's me. That's
3: the mm-hmm. Call of Duty's. Infinity War. At yes, their, Infinity at, at War. They best. Yeah, by far.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's just something special about that game. I think it's because everyone was growing up at that time. Like I was in high school. Everyone's got a moment in their life associated with Modern Warfare
3: Two. Yes. It's, it's I learned a what prestige game. is. let's like, oh, go. Yeah. so they
1: know they got something probably and it's like well we could support that for another year like free updates for modern warfare 2 and honestly i'm for that like i'm for seeing what they can do with that because we already know like the modern warfare campaigns don't play around and there's a certain part in modern warfare 2 that you know i don't know if they're gonna follow it tit for tat but i'm just i'm wondering if they're gonna revisit that by name alone right and Again, this is coming from someone who didn't even play the the, the first Modern Warfare <laughs> campaign, so they they could have changed a ton of shit that I'm not even aware of here. <laughs> you good? You good? I'm just I'm just running with it here. My point being though is, um, I do think that they feel confident in Infinity Ward and in the series enough where they should have been here a while ago to support games for like two years instead of every year because there's not enough time to enjoy Call of Duty. It's like a rinse and repeat. Like it comes out, it's the best thing. January hits. They haven't gotten an update out in a while. Fans get restless. It's bad. April hits. This game's terrible. June hits. There's the new COD. Oh, my God. Can't wait for this to come around. It looks like such a breath of fresh air. It was so regulated that people's reception of the game were also accelerated. Like They were all moving to that I'm tired of this already point way too quickly. And look no further than Assassin's Creed. We talked a lot about Ubisoft. Look no further than Assassin's Creed. I know it's a far cry away from what it used to be. But that game series is doing better than it's ever had. facts. You know, there's a lot of hate videos on Valhalla, on Odyssey, on Origins to some extent. And honestly, I get it. But I love Odyssey. I love Valhalla. And uh, these are games that they're popular for a reason. And and one of the big reasons was they stopped making them annual. Yes. Huge part of that success
3: plan there. I agree. Even with the direction change, I have to admit... The quality improved once they got away Mm -hmm. from that cadence. You need a development cycle, man. And then in Cod's case, you know, they still got Warzone out there. Like, they'll be okay. They'll be fine.
1: It'll be fine, man. Yeah, especially, you know, when you got Warzone 2, whatever you want to call it, dropping next year, do you really need an annual Call of Duty? That is your annual Call of Duty. So I think the stars kind of align for them. And then they start
3: to eat at each you're eating at yourself you're, you're competing with yourself you're taking your own base away yeah so like yeah, yeah you got it man it's yeah
1: fine. that's actually a really good point right because if you're releasing modern warfare 2 then let's say Warzone's even in the middle of 2023 ideally then what you got six more months to another call of duty it's almost too much too much yeah so good points all around all right number two is far more interesting let's get into it an sec filing has officially presented the ins and outs of video games biggest acquisition xbox's acquisition of activision blizzard king the biggest revelation is the timing of the deal and how fast-moving xbox was for those who don't recall a crippling blow was dealt to activision leadership in the form of a bombshell report by wall street journal on november 16 2021 that exposed the rot of the video game publisher to its core Two days later, on November 18, twenty twenty-one, Phil Spencer condemned these reports in an internal email, claiming to be deeply disturbed and troubled by the events that had taken place, noting that Xbox was actively reevaluating their relationship with the exposed publisher. Then the SEC show file the SEC filing shows that Phil Spencer and Bobby Kotick's initial talks for the acquisition began just one single day later, on November nineteenth, twenty twenty-one. The fine print says it all. Quote. In the course of a conversation on a different topic between Mr. Spencer and Mr. Kotick, Mr. Spencer raised that Microsoft was interested in discussing strategic opportunities between Activision Blizzard and Microsoft and asked whether it would be possible to have a call with Mr. Nadella the following day. The following day, Satya was much more straightforward, saying, quote, Microsoft was interested in exploring a strategic combination with Activision Blizzard, end quote. Furthermore, the document states that Activision Blizzard was in touch with four other companies and one individual, all of whom are not named, in addition to Microsoft, trying to work out some sort of deal. Ladies writes in saying, hey Dukes, in a filing to the FTC, it was confirmed that it was Microsoft who reached out to Activision Blizzard and not the other way around as it was being reported. In fact, Activision was only contacted, or I'm sorry, in fact, Activision only contacted other companies well after Microsoft had made their offer. Does this in any way change how you guys feel about the acquisition? For me, it was, does this some kind of does this refute the idea that if it wasn't Microsoft, it would have been someone else who clearly, since Microsoft is the only one who is initiating the conversation. Also, since Kotick was losing leverage with the board and was only allowed to stay because of the payday that was coming for them, it begs the question whether or not he would have been forced to leave eventually, although we cannot know that for sure. Wonder what you guys think. Thanks, as always, for the great content. Thank you for writing in, ladies. So... this one was this was huge i felt because it was you know it confirmed a couple of things that we were speculating on i wanted to write the record i went back and listened because i know Mm -hmm. there was one point i was pretty adamant about something i was trying to recall what it was i listened to our episode called uh xbox is buying activision blizzard um and it was there that we said that uh that activision had approached xbox and that was incorrect and i said it i said it was like say it again i said it again so i wanted you know we put our chest out on it and while we were saying what reports were saying, Mm -hmm. I still want to be accountable for a mistake on our show. So I just want to put that that out there. Correct us because some people are trying to correct us that this was in August, which we were adamant about saying like, no, 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 this was very, very much a quick deal put together. This was like November. Uh, So that we were right about, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to write the record on that cog. Let me dish it to you. What do you make of these brand new revelations?
3: Ooh, new information. Cog likes Mm -hmm. new information. Cog Mm -hmm. likes nuanced and informed opinions. I'm always going to stand on that. Even when, The new information goes against what we or I initially thought was reported. Right. So here's the thing. I think overall it doesn't change too much for me. And I'm going to tell you why, you know, at the end of the day, I look at this as corporations are going to cooperate and an opportunity presents itself and you can say whatever you want public facing to make things sound, you know, admirable and honorable and, and that's fine. But the SEC filing is what the SEC filing is, right? But <laughs> so we, we we have it now. So this is my thing. I think at the end of the day, they saw a opportunity that Microsoft saw an opportunity that they were not going to come across in any other type of scenario normal scenario. And they're like, we have to strike now. Now The question comes down to morality. Like if you feel this is a moral thing and you have a problem with, you know, a company saying, hey, we, you know, condemn blah, blah, blah for their actions and what's going on. And then two days later, the phones picked up deals are made. Right. That to me is the reality of the business. Sadly, you know, and, and that's what people have to understand, you know, not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying if the information that the new updated information that we have is said to be true with an SEC filing and it was a day after condemning, then yeah, like, okay, well, maybe it wasn't as morally upstanding as we thought because you went in there, you called, and and made and I understand that too. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. as far as the second part, I still feel that at the end of the day, the other entities, whether it be, you know, Microsoft that reached first and then Activision goes out and say, yo. We selling, we selling, you know, big, let's see if we can get a better deal. Let's see, you know, whatever, whatever, right? I still look at it as a situation It doesn't really change anything because f- to me, if people were interested, they'll bid, right? And you, you're trying to you're trying to raise the price up. You're trying to get it's more favorable to your thing, regardless to whether or not Kodak is leaving or not. It still went out to other people. So yeah. it doesn't really change anything more than the reality of the business and how things work when there's vulnerability and people are like sharks and they're going to swoop in, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I feel that happened here. But I'm curious on your take on it because it did change it. Cause initially we did think, at least it was reported at the time that it was Activision that went out, but now we, mm-hmm. we're hearing this. So I'm curious for you, did this change your view on the whole situation?
1: I never really bought the kind of hogwash that Phil was like being an angel and coming and saying, we're going to clean up this whole mess for, billion dollars like there was no way they were coming in just to be the good guys and save the industry like there was clearly a lucrative business opportunity here outside of call of duty there's a plethora of IP they get there's a ton of studios they get both i'd say first party and and, a high triple a production value and support studios like there's a lot of value there so i saw some people saying like this looks bad for xbox i don't really agree because again like you kind of put it cog it's the reality of the business but this was them being smart and i know we try not to evangelize microsoft too often here i think we do a good job of not doing that but we got to take a real look at you know if ea gets them i imagine ea was one of the suitors i I don't know if playstation was one of them given that phil said publicly like yeah i had to call the sony spokespeople to like assure them we're not doing anything with call of duty if mm-hmm. playstation was in maybe they would have known the ramifications of said deal but right maybe not but to me i just feel like this looks awkward because of the internal email being deeply disturbed it's like how disturbed are you if you're picking up the phone saying we want to buy you the next day but i think that's where we have to get into this is the beauty of podcasts there's nuance like i think yes it was a clear business opportunity for them to make a lot of money in the long run to supplement game pass yada 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 everyone's heard the rigmarole before i do think there is a degree of like hey if we clean this up more people will want to join us more people want to work with us i think there's an optical point of view here that is a huge win if they nail this which again is a big if it's a gamble but i think it's a wise gamble to take because the minimum is we've got call of duty that's like the bare minimum we've got cod every copy of cod sold is going to get us money which is the best selling game ever and every download through game pass will only enhance that more people are going to sign up than ever before for game pass that's Mm -hmm. great so at a bare va- minimum value for what they're paying for, they are winning. And then there's, again, the the too many bonuses for them to ignore. So I understand the sentiment that, okay, you know, this looks bad. They they say one thing, they do the other. But it's, look, we got to give the Dukes the credit. We've been saying for a while. We love the team at Xbox, but they there's a messaging thing here. They talk out of both sides of their mouth. It's about saying what you want to hear, not what you need to hear, right? It's the opposite here. We say what you need to hear. Not what you want to hear, but it's the you know, it's different for Xbox, right? They're a company, they're a public facing
3: brand. So sorry, Cog, you were about to say something? No, no. I think what we have to we have to realize is that corporations are still going to look for the best opportunities out there for themselves. Yeah, because people it, won't care at the end of the day if they get right. a really good. It's game. like it's like if we're treating this like friends and relationships in real life where it's like, yo, that's my mortal enemy, right? And and you know what I'm saying? Like, it it, it doesn't work like that in business. And unfortunately for a lot of people, they're not gonna try to, they're not gonna respect, they're not gonna respect Microsoft. And I get that, and they have every right to say, yo, I ain't feeling that, one minute Mm -hmm. you said this, then you did this, right? I get that. All I'm saying is, in this case, again, public facing, corporation. You can put out the PR statement, but the action showed that you did this. And I understand it. And, and all I will say is to your point, what you said beautifully, which is that when it comes down to now the long-term ram- ramification, let's say you take the black eye, right? For now, this comes out, take the black eye. You're like, Oh, you, you know, you, you did a day after whatever, whatever. But if it's on you now to do due diligence, to make yourself really look like the savior by cleaning this thing up, because of that, right? And if Mm -hmm. the end result is now Activision is still going to be in a better position, they're out of a yearly Call of Duty cadence, they're down, studios are able to do other things, the end result is still better. And I still stand on that one. I still stand on the Mm -hmm. part that I still like that the acquisition happened because in my opinion, that is the best suitor. So Mm -hmm. I'm still for it. It's just that people's moral compass This is going to affect certain things. And I get that. And there's nothing wrong with that also.
1: I agree. I agree entirely. And again, I think the best chance that we see uh, a cleanup in Activision is is through Xbox. And I think the real test here is like, okay, we don't know because we can only speculate if the deal was also made because of the optical benefit of like, hey, we clean them up. But what we do know is that Phil is saying, like, they're going to answer to me once the acquisition is done. Yeah, like, yeah, they're very coming clear. to me. So, yeah, I'm right. Very they didn't clear. say that for my, for ZeniMax. ZeniMax was very clearly kind of, like, independent doing yeah. their thing. But for Activision, it was like, they're going to answer to me once this is done. Kind of chest out. Like, mm-hmm. this is our product, and we're going to own them. Yeah, um, a lot more control there, a lot more oversight over there. You know, yeah. Kind of the bad child, the bad yeah. child run away done.
3: That was yeah. not like the other deals where it's like we want them to create what they want to create, and yeah. you know, like it, it was the energy was different, and and that mm-hmm. we we all know these statements are parsed, right? These statements yeah. that PR and legal they go through these statements before they hit that public there is intent with every word and also the order of the words, which we learned yep. from Hogue. What they put first is what they're trying to convey the most out of mm-hmm. it. Always keep mm-hmm. that in mind too, so I agree.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and so with that in mind, like the fact that it was said at all, let alone pretty high up in the post, means that there's a different order of operations here, and I think there is a degree of cleanup work that they wanna make a priority, to get the best out of this business transaction, so I, I I'm right there with you, cog. I think there is a you know a moral compass that is respected and understandable, but as uh, a business being a business, and uh, I'm, I wish I could say I'm surprised, but I'm not
3: I'm, I'm like yeah not am like not surprised to be honest yeah
1: so anything else you want to say or shall we move on to number three? We good, we good, let's move on All right number three again, if you are sitting. Firmly grasp onto your seat. If you're driving, please remain focused on the road as this news may shock you so much you could veer off the road. For the first time since twenty fourteen, with the release of Persona 4 Arena, Persona and SMT developer Atlas is bringing a JRPG to Xbox day and date. This mm. week Atlas unveiled Soul Hackers two to the public in the form of a brand new trailer. Soul Hackers Two is a spin-off to the Shimigami Tensei series and that has laid dormant since 1997. Its sequel is set to arrive August 26th, 2022 on Xbox, Steam, and PlayStation. Cog's crying over this news. I love it, man. (laughs) Whereas the trailer description puts it, there is a war between devil summoners and it's up to Ringo and her team to decrypt destiny and save the world from apocalypse. Don Otaku writes in, what's up, dukes of definition? I love that you guys have been on Xbox's ass for missing out on Japanese games that come to every console except Xbox. And today... We finally got a sliver of hope. Soul Acres 2 by Atlas. Atlas of All Developers has been announced for Xbox Day and Date. I don't understand how a port like Persona 4 Arena Ultimax that was already on previous generations is absent, but the sequel to an already obscure Atlas JRPG makes it on, but I don't care. We take those. What how do you guys feel about this rare Japanese Xbox W? Do you guys think this is the start of Xbox and Atlas working together or is this Atlas just being weird and ending up being a one-off? Man, we got more write-ins about this than anything else. Anything
3: else, man. Listen, man. Listen. Gotta shed a tear today, you know. (laughs) Listen, the war is not one Rome's not built in a day. Mm -hmm. Gotta take your your battles one step at a time. Yeah, yeah. This is a day, gentlemen. I don't care. (laughs) Yes, it is. This is is. a day. I know people like Kong, it's nothing. This is an Atlas game. Mm-hmm. this is a new game this is day and date they said yep. atlas does not deal with microsoft we are making traction so all i say is i don't know what happened to the other little persona game that i agree with my man shout out to donald i agree with him i don't know what happened to the other one but you gotta look at me We just baby the ball and start baby that's all you go you just want to see progress now i got shout out to my, my iron lord brother today Shout out to Sovereign. Are you sweating, brother? I love you. Mm-hmm. I, love, I know you listen to Define the all the time. I love you. Are you sweating <laughs> just a little bit? Because I hit him up. I, saw, I showed him the news. I was starting trouble. He's like, this is not persona. I yeah. said, I, I feel you. <laughs> but this is how hopefully it gets in the direction that we want. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this is what I really want to be right about, to be honest, man. I do really want to throw this part in people's face. Like, if, if we get a persona after all of this, like, we gotta give the Dukes they do because we yeah, we've yeah. been willing it because people were laughing at us like yo that Sega means nothing that that's just cloud servers man it's not about games I've been beat over the head and all mm-hmm. I said we said like look look at this pie chart look at this their their boardroom look how they're so enthused it it just appears to be a little bit more so hopefully whoever they had to smack in the back of the neck of Atlas. Get your mm-hmm. behind and Put them games. <laughs> Whoever's in maybe maybe it came from above, from Sega. Get in line because we're in line. We move mm-hmm. as a unit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm, <Yeah>. just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I mean, I'm be a fool. I just hope it. I, I, all jokes are I hope this really pans out. This is a good thing. I know it's a little game. This is a good thing. y'all. I'm stupid excited about it. I, I'm mm-hmm. literally, I don't know. I'm, I'm never going to I don't know nothing about this game. I am getting oh, this game. Same. I don't know anything yep, yep, about yep, 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 this yep. game. I am day one, uh, August 20th. I'm in. Yep. <laughs> I want to support. Hold us accountable. Follow Hold up, us. ladies and gentlemen. Five, we, That's going to be my game. of. I'm playing. And if it's in Game Pass, it's going to be the Game Pass of the week. <laughs> yeah. I am supporting. What's it called? Soul, Soul Hackers. <laughs> Soul, Hackers 2. <laughs> Soul <laughs> Hackers 2. I'm in, baby. I'm in Atlas. Hey. Hey, big head. Yeah, hey. 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 yeah. Hey. All right, I'm done. <laughs>
1: All right. So you said everything that I wanted to say on a positive front. So I just got to leap into being the bad cop here. (laughs) Oh, man. I know. I know. I know. Atlas is such a fucking weird company, man. Let's talk about it. Let's talk. We got to open up this can of worms. Because again, Cog is, I share every sentiment of what Cog has said about the hype. Like, yes, I'm there day one. The It's about time. The victory lap. I'm there for it all. So with that all being said atlas is weird and this is if you're an atlas fan you know just like atlas does literally the term in the community is atlas does atlas things they exactly. will do things that make no sense just follow them for a couple of months and you'll just see we're doing a persona celebration and they announce stickers you're like dude what are you guys doing so for a little bit of a history lesson and a very recent history lesson Ooh, at that very very recent shin megami tensei five only on Switch. Now, there was a leak saying it might be coming to PC, but right now, only on Switch. Soul Hackers, not coming to Switch. Persona, only PlayStation. Soul Hackers 2 making it to Xbox, though. I don't understand the cadence because then, as the write in stated from Don Otaku, Persona 4 Arena is back compat, but we're not going to get the port onto Xbox. That still infuriates me because it makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. So, again, I can't with pure confidence say, well, I'm going to take this victory lap here with you. I can't say with confidence this is a sign of things to come because they just are so spotty. Like, I guarantee you, Atlas will bring this happily to PC on the Epic Game Store. This will not be on Steam or on the Xbox Game Pass. This will be the Epic Game Store. That's how we're going to get SMT5 on PC. Because of course, of course. And that's an amazing game, by the way, which deserves... It's the best-selling SMT entry, but that's not saying much because the series isn't that popular. Like, say Persona. Like, that series needs more exposure. Xbox fans are hungry. Get them there, man. Get them there. But I, I get it. Xbox fans got to really pony up and start paying for these games. And I'm guilty of it. Like, I bought Near Replicant on PlayStation. Like, no, just no. by habit alone.
3: Absolutely. I, I guess the, the excitement for me really stems from the fact that it was new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's it's what it's I new thing. like. Ooh. We haven't heard of this in a while. Right. So my thing is hopefully, maybe, again, because, you know, Cog likes nuanced opinions. I like, like to get as much information as can because we don't know. But maybe the holdup, and I'm guessing, was like contractually, they couldn't do anything to the, the titles at a certain point, and those mm-hmm. things were already locked in. So yeah. now that maybe at this point the relationship changed in 2022, maybe there's that cutoff date. And like now we can start working with you. And mm-hmm. that's why, because I mean, it didn't make any sense. And again, this to your point, because you're being a complete great devil's advocate, this still does not guarantee anything. I know. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying yeah. it points in a nice direction. You just hope that it leads to more things. But yeah, this, this is interesting to watch. I was very happy to see this one. And I will give
1: Xbox their roses here for a moment. You know, with... I the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, Dang Rampa, Soul Hackers 2. These are the meaningful steps forward. Like, yeah, I want all of Dang and Rampa there, but these are really with I'd say I the Somnium Files and, and Soul Hackers 2. These are the meaningful steps forward that I've been looking for. Just be there day and date. Obviously, exclusive deals are tough enough to work out with like Western companies. You know, you have to have a meeting of the minds to really Get everyone on the same page. I get it. It's tough. But these are the things that just Xbox fans need. Like, they deserve to have these niche games day and day. It's expected on PlayStation. They don't miss them. It's expected on Switch. They don't miss them. Xbox, you are a major platform holder. You have no excuse. You have millions of users. You should have these games day and day. And I'm happy to see with two smaller titles, plus Nier last year, plus Tales of Arise, it's adding up now. You know, I think the next step provided this cadence remains is working out, whether we've talked about scale bound, like working out a nice Japanese, like a clear Japanese title, like made from the ground up. Ghostwire Tokyo kind of could have been that incidentally. Yeah. Obviously, it's going to PlayStation, but a pure JRPG, like a, a lost Odyssey moment for Xbox series generation players. Like that's the next thing is what I'm looking for. Yeah. But this is getting me over the hump of like, OK, you guys are showing up day and date. With Atlas, I'm not fully buying in yet because again, right next month, Persona 4 Arena on every uh, console but Xbox. Oh, so good, contractual, baby. I mean, look, we'll talk about it shortly, but like Xbox just got a thing against fighting games, I guess. So that could that could be it. We're going to talk about that, yeah. Yeah, that could be it too. But we got one more write in here on this subject because again, we had a ton for this. Uh, Dragon Paul 2022 or 22 writes in, Hey Dukes. I'm sure you're about to get a ton of questions asking your thoughts about Soul Hacker 2 coming to Xbox. However, I'm going to ask a different question for the direction. My prediction is Soul Hackers 2 is Atlas's test to see if Xbox fans will put up the money to show that there is a platform here for them. Do you guys think Xbox is going to work out a deal with Atlas and get this title on Game Pass? for more to play uh, to play to be safe or stick to their guns and launch same day and date full price like the rest of the platforms. Anyways, hope you Dukes have a type of unpredictable Atlas kind of day. See, I told you, man. These Atlas fans are out, yeah, they yeah. out They
3: outside. Yeah, shout out to Jaguar. I, I, I love the question. Um, It could be, right? It could be. It could be a test bet. You know, we'll start you with the smaller stuff, see how you do, right? Before we, you it's know, uh, yeah. It, it's possible or it's possible that the relationship could it's possible the relationship could change. Now I will say this, I just thought about like a way they could try to make it beneficial for for everyone involved. Cause let's just say, let's be fair to Atlas. I know we we clown on them and they say they're unpredictable and I I do get annoyed that I don't see their titles on Xbox. But let's just say they have data and they say, look, when we did this particular game on Soul Hackers or whatever, right? You know, we saw with our data that, yeah, the physical sales were just trash. Like it wasn't, worth it Man. you know for us to even deal with you let's be real right and we got all our market is this nintendo and all our market predominantly playstation so if microsoft sweetens the pot and say okay well maybe digital only release or game pass release mm. then they get a bag right maybe that can entice okay now it's worth my while to deal with you you know what i'm saying because now i ain't got to press up as much or you know what i'm saying it could be a digital only release because it, there's got to be, listen, uh, we understand the ja- Japanese sensibilities and relationships and culturally, I get that part, you know what I'm saying? But there's also, this thing has to, from a business standpoint, because we got to talk business, corporations going to cooperate, it's mm. got to make sense for Atlas. And Atlas, for whatever reason, we, you know, we don't know exactly, kind of still holds power in the Sega building. They, they still hold enough to still kind of do what they want to do on some level. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe it just comes down to business sense. So maybe now Microsoft has gotten the business right that makes it good for Atlas. And hopefully it's Game Pass or hopefully it's digital only or whatever. Mm-hmm. Something that makes them say, you know what? All right. Now we'll rock with you because before that, Xbox, you guys sold like 100 cars. Let's be real. like They could be mm-hmm. like, yo. Why are we even going to waste the resources for what we going to get back? Yeah. And that could be it too. So, we'll see.
1: Scarlet Nexus taught me a valuable lesson that you can't just assume these games will be Game Pass because I thought that game made a lot of sense. And I think with how quickly it came to Game Pass, it's clear that maybe they realized that a bit late or they yeah. tried to get what sales yeah. they could and then put it on there. But again, I, I don't think that game did well at all, but I haven't checked. So too 2 makes an a abundance amount of sense for game pass and i'm not saying this because oh get the xbox fans in there what i'm saying more so is this is smt has had two spinoffs you have persona which is super popular smt is at its most popular soul hackers has not had a new entry since 1997 if there is a series that you make a deal for exposure i genuinely think this is it i really i get it like Scarlet Nexus I think the way it was marketed and stuff might have seen a little more pie in the sky but this one to me again it just feels like this is the one you make the deal for you need like I'm I'm not even saying this because of you know, Xbox bias at all like I just think you need the eyes like even if someone sees it on Xbox and picks it up on PlayStation like Atlas benefits too much from this and you could look at Edge of Eternity this is a game that came out on Game Pass day one uh, it's a indie JRPG. It looks solid. And I saw a ton of people talking about it more than most JRPGs uh, that had come out on Xbox recently because it was there on Game Pass and people were willing to try it. So there's an audience there that's hungry for it, that's willing to talk about it. Obviously, that game's quality kind of missed the mark for people because it was this huge game that was made by 20 people, kind of the, the Bio mutant effect, if you will. It's, it's, it's doing a lot of cool things, but none of them are refined. Mm-hmm. I just think Soul Hackers, though, is a game that could draw a lot of attention and, and It it looks cool, by the way. We didn't even talk about the game itself. I don't know
3: if you watched the trailer, but I thought it looked cool. Uh, Here's the thing. A lot of it is, again, relationship. And and, and trying... They may say to themselves, okay, this title didn't do well for us, Atlas, right? But hey, if we use this as a test bed for your Game Pass, and they start to see engagement they never seen before on a title that, you know what I mean, they didn't really Mm -hmm. have big expectations, because we've seen that with Sega overall, right? They were like, Mm -hmm. yo... You guys bought two, you know, two point hospital like that. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like you guys all our little smaller stuff. You OK. And then let's give you this and let's give you that. And you just build it. You just build that relationship. So hopefully mm-hmm. they got the right people in the building, in the room in the conference call. Keep it going. Keep it up. Whoever made this Soul Hackers to keep him on the line, that speed dial on Atlas. Yeah, yeah. Keep it going, bro. I like yeah. whoever's doing this. Did we call this the Sarah Bond effect? Because she was pretty, pretty hype on the whole
1: Sega deal, right? Yeah, and outside, she's very yeah. proud of it. And I was very like, vocal about Sega. Yeah. Very vocal. Just mm-hmm. a thought. Just a thought. All right. Number four. This one I'm very excited to get into. Could have arguably, arguably been our number one piece, but of yeah. course JRPGs are the the president. Of course, so, of or the priority rather was the wrong word. Bioware has long been lauded for their RPGs, but with games like Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem, the company hasn't seen, or hasn't been seen, rather, in a positive light for years. These repeated flops brew reasonable skepticism surrounding their upcoming game Dragon Age 4, a series that hasn't seen the light of day since 2014. The last we heard on the game was that a 2022 release wasn't likely, and now we have a new scoop thanks to Jeff Grubb via his giant bomb show, Grub Snacks. While responsible for many leaks, Jeff's reporting between Dead Space Remake and Mass Effect Legendary Edition has solidified him as a good source for EA-related games. It is said that Dragon Age 4 is reportedly launching as late as Fall 2023, with the game being in very good shape. That said, Jeff says that even late 2023 is considered, quote, pretty aggressive, end quote, for the release. The caveat? Currently, EA and Bioware have no plans to do a remastered trilogy, much like they did for Mass Effect, despite a new entry for that series being easily half a decade out. The reasoning is far more perplexing. According to Jeff, the Dragon Age games aren't as linked together, thus making them not the best candidate for the same treatment that Mass Effect got, says EA. Beyond that, there is also technical hurdles such as various engines for the series that they had to use across Origins, its sequel, Dragon Age 2, and then the latest entry, Inquisition. Shortly thereafter, Bioware posted a blog on their own website updating fans on Dragon Age 4 themselves. Quote, Our blueprint was completed last year, so we're now focused on building out our vision, creating impactful, amazing environments, deep characters, strong gameplay, great writing, emotional cinematics, and much more. The blueprint for the game is well understood and the team is focused. As we continue our journey, we wanted to wish Christian Daly a heartfelt farewell from BioWare. Christian started with us back in 2018 and has been a big influence on our games and leadership team most recently as executive producer over Dragon Age's development. The games industry is ever-changing, though, and sometimes folks want to go and try new things. We understand, but we will miss him as a friend and as a colleague. No, notice the difference here, by the way, of, of their send-off to, to Christian here versus, uh, I think, Matt Goldman was his name. Yeah. Completely different energy. Really anyway, different. Yeah. much more to read. A strong leadership team of industry and Dragon Age veterans is in place to carry us through production and beyond. The game's production director is Mac Walters, who recently led the development for Mass Effect Legendary Edition and had, has an 18-year history with Bioware. Corinne Bush, who has been leading the design direction for Dragon Age, is our game director. She has a wealth of experience, including 15 years at EA and a passion for the franchise. Benoit Hole is the director of product development, and he brings an in-depth understanding of on the franchise, thanks to having worked on every single Dragon Age game starting over 16 years ago on Dragon Age Origins. Wow, I didn't realize it was that old. Holy smokes. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, keep reading here. I will also be working more closely with the Dragon Age team. This is Gary McKay writing this letter, by the way. As they go through production while continuing to guide the studio. Later this year, you'll start to hear more from the Dragon Age team in the form of blogs and social content. As we move through development, we'll also be in regular communication with players who sit on our community council. As passionate fans like you, we take their feedback seriously. We are also listening to all of you as you share your thoughts and experiences, so keep talking to us. End quote. A lot here, Mr. Cognito. You a lot here. A Where lot do you want ago. to start? Jeff's report, the remasters not being a thing, or what Gary McKay had to say after all of this.
3: Let me start with the remasters. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean... I actually do understand it. I do understand it, and you know, unlike Mass Effect, I feel it. It, it they are connected, but not as connected. You know the way the Mass Effect series are, mm-hmm. and then we have to be cognizant of the engines. You know what I'm saying? The the Unreal to Frost Frostbite. So I can un- I, even though I would like that, I can understand a situation where it's like, yo, you know, they just it would be too much of a over to Undertaken by the team to get that done. So that that part was that. Um. As far as the, I'll, I'll tackle the second part real quickly, and I'll I'll give it back to you. Another lead, you know, another, another top lead, you know, and leaving. And um, generally, I try, I try not to over dramatize that kind of stuff, but this is now a pattern we're seeing, you know. In the, like I don't I don't dramatize it when people leave after the fact when the project's complete. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like when it's not finished, not out, and you know, so many we we, we Casey and Mark and this one and that one and you know Christian Daly now, and it's just like I can only go by what the information has presented to me, right? The information that's presented to me right now just appears to show dysfunction. It appears to show lack of direction. It appears to show that there is maybe something more deeper going on culture wise in, in the building that they have not figured this out. And I don't know if it's to the frustration of those leaving, mm-hmm. but clearly there is a pattern and the game is, I just feel like, I feel like each year with Dragon it 4, I feel like I know less. <laughs> like that's how I feel. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, well, what is it now? Like what, what is it trying to be? And so much thoughts. Uh, those are my just initial thoughts on those two things I want to touch on. But I know you've got a ton to say here.
1: Certainly, certainly. Uh, so I'll I'll follow the pattern you did. I'm going to start off with the remasters because I, I got to push back a little bit. I find it so foolish that EA is claiming these games aren't as connected because it, in a lot of ways, like I'd argue, they're they're as connected. Uh, I think of the red lyrium for example Uh, this is a a major major plot point in Mm -hmm. the dragon age 4 like you see in all the trailers and it's in dragon age 2 like all over the place that's where it's discovered and it carries into dragon age inquisition with the red templars Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so there's moments like that and and not only that but they have dragon age keep like they let you import choices in each and every game Mm -hmm. inquisition you literally take your choices from origins and you take your choices from dragon age 2 and you port them in or you can make them beforehand on the website and then load that in so you don't have to play the games before so the idea that ea is claiming they're not as connected is a lie like in my Ooh. eyes like it's just an outright untrue statement mm-hmm. and shows something i've kind of beat the drum on a lot which is they just don't know what they have they don't know what they have with bioware they don't know what they're doing with them and they're you know i i i just, wish so heavily that bioware would be extracted from them. And now after again we're going to get to this news later. This could be possible. It would it would just be a a a big Hail Mary type of moment, but it, I I hope it occurs because again, this company has no clue what they have. Cuz they're claiming that a game that is objectively connected is not connected. The the engine part is fair. You know, Origins used Eclipse to use Lyceum an Inquisition infamously used Frostbite. So there are multiple engines. I do think they could, it's it's like PlayStation with Back and path. They're like, well, we can't do it. I'm like, you can fucking figure it out. You can figure it out if are you want
3: to. we all Devin? Yeah. I,
1: I, no, I kind of am, but absolutely like there is a, there is when there is a will, there is a way. It's about if it's worth it. And yeah, I think for Dragon right, Age, it's like this, you're putting everything into this game. Like Mass Effect Legendary Edition took so much pressure off of you. Figure out the remaster trilogy because this can, again, alleviate pressure, inject some money into the company. Alert EA, who clearly has no idea. Hey, people like this. Dragon Age Inquisition is EA's, uh, I'm sorry, BioWare's best-selling game ever. Remind them people love Dragon Age, right? Keep that in mind and, and get some more money flowing into this company mm-hmm. before Dragon Age 4, where instead of it being an all-in moment, it's instead a black eye you can take if it ends up, not being as good. So I just think the, the the remaster decision here is so ill-advised. I imagine, again, this is an EA choice, not a Bioware choice, but I just need to speak on that real quickly. As for sure. it being in good shape, uh, you know, this, there's a, a lot of supporting reasons why it should be in good shape, but a, a lot can change in 18 months. Let's say it comes out in uh, fall 2023, ideally. A lot can change for a game between now and then that complicates things. But a lot of this is lining up with uh, a lot of with with what Gary is saying, what Jeff has reported, what's being said by exiting talent. It's not ever really outside of that Matt Goldman issue, seemingly on bad terms. And there seems to be a collective confidence like, Hey, this place, this, this project's in a good place. Like Christian Daly actually tweeted saying like, Hey, Please don't believe the hate. Like this game is actually in a really good spot right now. And sorry, what's up? I hate to interrupt.
3: The Please. only reason why I still got my side eye. Oh, of course. As, as always, I heard boy. all this with my beloved anthem at mm-hmm. the time. Oh, don't worry, guys. This case is in good hands. I statements went out, and you know, what I'm again, I'm not trying to say that of course. everything's identical. Of course. I just got my little thing. I just I had to just say that because they. Of course, yeah. I, I'm, still, I'm still burnt. Sorry. <laughs>
1: no, and rightfully so. I'm not telling... I hope it's not coming across this way. I'm not telling everyone to, to buy into what they are saying, but there seems to be collectively on the inside that's being reported to people who have no agenda and also being stated publicly like we're in a spot. And if they do truly have a blueprint that is understood by the team, then you're just making the thing at that point, right? And that doesn't mean it's going to be a good game, but at least they'll be making... A, a thing, a RPG in this case, right? Which is more than they've done in the last two releases. So there is that step forward, which is why in hindsight you could say, well, they're in a great place because they're actually making the damn thing. It's it's probably a far cry away from in production on the production side of things. Like they're probably way ahead of the curve than they've been in in almost a decade.
3: Decade, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, like we're 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 2 years away from that. So yeah, yeah it's probably going to feel like they're really ahead of the 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 curve. But on the executive side of things right mm-hmm. christian daly filled the the shoes of mark dara interestingly mm-hmm. mark dara was a 23 year vet at bioware who then left as well mm-hmm. and the difference here is christian daly would have a lot more in the tank you'd imagine right 2018 you know about four years in the in, in this team mm-hmm. and he already wanted out senior director or uh, creative director left um you know, a lot of notable positions making exits. This is the Bioware turnover. I've been warning people a lot about on my channel, uh, that the winds of change are blowing through. And yeah. I think Sorry. it just speaks to their. No, you're okay. I, I just going to say, I think it speaks to the process Ongoing in bioware, the uh the so-called hockey stick-like development of <laughs> being on a flat line, and then at the end things start to come together randomly, and it's like, okay, race to the finish now. The bioware magic, if you if you would say. Mm-hmm. And um I think it wears people out because what's most encouraging about this, and I want to dish it back to you, Mac Walters is on this project. To me, he's got that kind of Rod Ferguson energy. Like he, when he was lean the charge for I get it, it's a remaster pseudo remake project it's not the level of a giant AAA video game but he kind of had that Rod Ferguson level of like in control in the driver's seat understanding what the fans wanted which was news updates transparency you know he was he was doing it all like when he was doing project director for that he was answering people on Twitter saying like here's what's happening from top to bottom with the game answering all types of questions and concerns and what he said then delivered so i have a lot of faith in mac like him being in a high up role to me is is very encouraging because i think it's deserved i think he kind of proved himself publicly to everyone with with uh, the best launch bioware scene in a while and again like we can't always assume these remake remaster packages are safe bets because Master Chief Collection is a great example of yeah, how oh it can yeah. go wrong. Oh, yeah. And BioWare has had a, you know, they had to, to really dig deep for Mass Effect 1 and and practically remake the game and respect yeah. the history it was built yes. on, respect the systems it was built on. They did a good job with that. So, of course, with this being one of my favorite developers, I, I could go on, but I'll stop there and dish it to you, Cog. How mm-hmm. are you feeling about... You mentioned the leadership change, but how are you feeling about some of the new faces coming in and anything else that you didn't cover
3: on the Bioware front here? Yeah, I, I, You know, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful. I, uh, listen, I want the game to succeed. You know, I'm I, not like the veteran you are with the series. I came late, but, you know, I when Inquisition ended, it left questions that I really wanted answers. You know, if I don't mm. want to spoil it, it was some cliffhanging stuff. I was like, oh, okay
1: mm-hmm. you know okay. trespasser man did you play mm-hmm. trespasser oh no yeah. i did Wait, yeah yes, yes oh. i did yes i did I played okay trespasser. yes yeah. i did play trespasser the ending a so, trespasser is
3: really good yes and i'm like there was a cliffhanger on on some level and i i was in a waiting like yo okay. where is this gonna go and you know there's a character that, but whatever i'm not gonna say much but anyway mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know where I'm oh, at. So for, for all, the yeah. main story
1: of inquisition is good it's just yeah. the that's why this remaster, there's so much obvious shit that they could fix in Dragon Dragon no. Age. I said this in my video, so I apologize to those who listen and feel like I'm regurgitating, but I gotta. Uh, because like Inquisition, it's like there was a power balance issue. So and by that I mean literally like the power currency you'd get by completing side activities. Like if they just said, Hey, let's move this up from three to five, you could get to those amazing main story moments way quicker. Yeah. Dragon Age 2 was snake bitten by a quick development process, so that game looked ugly when it came out. It came out right next to like Skyrim. I think Dark Souls 1, like it was just what happened to Dragon Age, right? Is what it looked like. Give it a second chance. This yeah. game actually has also, I mean, I'm biased on this front, but oh, I'll, I'll be honest, but cool. like, I think it's got a good story. Yeah. There's a lot of redeeming qualities about Dragon Age 2, but it's it's repetitive environments, really hurt it. it. This is your chance to go in and like right those wrongs. It's right. such obvious wrongs. It's funny because it goes in reverse. Like the oldest game, Origins, probably needs the least changes. You know, it, it's got the Bioware jank. The visuals aren't crazy, but it doesn't fundamentally need changes. I think 2 and Inquisition definitely do, though. And there's they're not these deep, deep-rooted problems. Like, they're, let's change the currency for what you get when you complete a quest. Mm-hmm. Let's destabilize the balance of this game because it's already not good.
3: I just think, bro, you know, it's one of them things that, I just think higher up, the boardroom looks at it and it's like, yeah, it's out of budget too. Same Ooh. thing had the fan on tilt, <laughs> but it's <laughs> like it's one of those things that I think that for whatever reason they may not because they have the analytics view the, the Dragon Age franchise as that money maker, and it don't matter how, how much though. we like it, <laughs> how it's the best Dragon Age Inquisition was like their best selling game. Wow, but, but historically, I don't know the numbers. I don't know the numbers. All I'm saying mm. is. For whatever reason they sh- they're not I agree with you. We know they got the resources if they if EA wants to do it, right? I'm with mm-hmm. you. They mm-hmm. could put the resources behind to make this happen. For whatever reason, they are not inclined to do so, whether it be the series, whether it be the sale, something is not leading them in that direction. And it is interesting as to know why. But to your point, yeah, all that stuff could be, you know, would be exciting and would draw up interest. And and it could have bought them time. Right. It could have bought them time with this long gap wait, like just how. Trilogy is for Mass Effect for the next one. It's buying mm-hmm. them time. There's goodwill now. People are like, yo, that was why I loved it. Mass Effect one through three, let's go. And, and it's weird that we're not seeing that energy for that, but mm-hmm. we're gonna see. I, I'm hopeful. I just don't want to get. I'm still. I still got my side eye with them, man. I don't know percent I'm just no, like, no, I, not I even hope I don't so.
1: I, I think it's rightfully. I, you know, I love their stuff, and yeah. you know, even I got the side eye. It's like I don't when Jeff Grump came out, I was like, yeah, it's in great shape. I'm like,
3: oh. I gotta see. Yeah. yeah. I gotta see. It's I don't been know what so, that means. It's been so long. I remember when they showed like a trailer, how long ago has it been? I forgot, bro. I was like, damn, it's been that long. Yeah. It's, been a yeah.
1: They, they've they only shown concept trailers. That's the last thing we should probably talk about is they mentioned they're going to show more this year. I imagine we're finally getting, get a first good in-game look yes. at it, which is exciting. Um, I can't wait to finally lay eyes on it, but Cog, I want to, no, when do you think we're gonna see it? The most aggressive
3: was late twenty twenty three yes, that was the most aggressive yeah
1: and they're they're saying uh the wording here is let me get it exactly uh as we move through development, we'll be in regular communication with players who sit on our community council that's for those who don't know that by the way, I just want to inform people they like will contact like influencers and whatnot and, and invite them into a program to effectively test stuff for the game and give feedback which does help these games so they'll be doing that um they said later this year you'll start to hear more from the dragon age team in the form of blogs and social content so oh,
3: so it's they sound like they're ready don't they sound, they sound like they're ready they sound like they're ready to do talk you think,
1: do you think that's going to be gameplay of course i mean blogs i don't know what social content is do you think they're just going to be they
3: probably posted? got a trailer they got a trailer they probably got some type of yeah trailer in game maybe it's time like they got to now. Like, you've got to drum up the interest. And let's be honest, it's in their best interest to do it now because, again, the optics of what you call it daily leaving, you know what I'm saying? That's it doesn't true. look good. You've got to instill confidence in this base. This game is still on point. It looks good. So I'm with you. I think we do get that. I'm still going to say 2024, though. <laughs> I was oh, maybe man. top. Top of 2024. That that's sucks, what I'm leaning man.
1: That sucks. Like, that's, you know, even when Andromeda was coming around, man, like a Bioware game, I know it's not an event for everyone else, but like, it is for me, and that sucks. because like anthem I skipped. Like anthem, I was just like, "What?" Well, just no, 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 no. That's not. I didn't sign up for this. But, but Dragon Age Four to no, know, you know, I want them to take their time because for them to undo the live service elements, the more time, the better. You know, yeah. that's great. Absolutely. Uh, that I, I love to see that shit, man. But otherwise, um, it sucks. But I'd rather them get it right. And and they they said in their last post at the end of December to close out the year, they're like, "We want BioWare games to be." an industry stopping event. Like when they come around, people halt and play and that's what they used to be. So let's hope they get back to that. And we've got more news to get into. So let's move on to number five. Bethesda has officially announced. They are sunsetting the Bethesda net launcher. Shout out to cog, by the way, because he sent this my way. Mm -hmm. I completely missed it beginning in early April. Bethesda states, you will be able to migrate your library and wallet to steam, meaning nothing will be lost in the transition. Many game saves will also transfer over while others may have to be manually copied according to the official post FAQ for all five Fallout 76 (laughs) players. Your characters and atoms will transfer over as long as you have your Steam account linked. You Dude, what, <laughs> well, yeah, once Fallout 76 fans came for me because I said that this game is not Fallout, I was like, you guys just, you, you picked the wrong fight here. Like, <laughs> you, you don't realize who you're messing with on this level here now. I, see, I, I kid, but I'm just, I'm going to jab you guys endlessly at this I point until the, until the game's dead. <laughs> until the game's dead, you're going to hear from me. So, uh, that's Bethesda Net, a, a launcher bites the dust. They're like, here's what we're doing. We're moving to Steam. We're making the transition easy. Yeah. How do you feel about that?
3: I, I actually like it. I don't mind it. You know, like you know, just get get where the players are. Let us go to where PC gamers are actually at, and um, I like that. I I just look at that long term vision. You know, obviously with but that's done in Zenimax, and them now playing mm. nice with Steam. Now I want to see how this PC. I'm very curious about the PC ecosystem in relationship mm. to Xbox, particularly in which direction it goes. So. I thought this was cool. I was—I'm curious for you, like, um, you know, what are you hearing from? You know, you're more tapped into me on it, but as a side, like, what are you hearing in reference to just community or to laugh? You know, like, you know why I mean?
4: <laughs> no, are you laughing?
1: No, I was gonna say you—you uh, you, you give me so much credit. I was just like, I kind of forgot this even existed. Like, in which I—I <laughs> I, I think was kind of the sentiment from the community. Like, this was not when they when they said we're sh- shutting down. I was like, oh yeah, that thing, right? Well, That makes <laughs> that sense. <thing. laughs> it's like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, like. I, I could tell by the post, like, they just seemed very much, like, it wasn't even bending either. Like, yeah, we're getting rid of this thing. It's done. We're doing it in early April. Yeah. We're going to give you all your shit. Don't worry. And, and that'll be that. So, you know, it's it's funny. Normally, I'm a man of many things to say. But for this, I don't. It makes complete sense. Uh, it was a, a failed initiative. And uh, it's a right call to just put it on Steam, man. Stop, stop with these many launchers. So, I'm sure PC games are fist pumping going, like, all right, one less shortcut on my
3: desktop. So, yeah. And last point yeah. I'll say is just that, you know, it's interesting to see, but Desda the, had a lot of launchers and individual projects and things, even their Orion tech, I believe was like cloud oriented, yeah. stuff like that. So That's I'm very curious that. to see how their proprietary stuff moves forward mm-hmm. post acquisition of Microsoft. And these are the kind of signs that I like to to pay attention. It's a small thing, but it's like, okay, oh, you're doing that. You're moving over to Steam, getting rid mm-hmm. of the, okay, I'm monitoring that. All right,
1: well, I got nothing else to throw in there on that, so I guess we'll be quick and agile move to number six. We have another acquisition. Lots becoming commonplace. What is more rare is the shape that the latest deal Tencent made has taken. Tencent is acquiring Inflexion, the brand-new built studio that is run by former Bioware head honcho Aaron Flynn. However, this newly found developer is being extracted from the current, now former owner, Improbable. And Flexion CEO Aaron Flynn states that these talks have been ongoing since last summer where where there had been a shift in the design of Nightingale, the studio's upcoming service game, and that Improbable saw a future for itself in a different direction. Flynn opens up a bit more on the reasoning behind the move to Tencent. In my experience, good game developers are willing to have conversations and accept feedback, but there are limits and expectations on that. They have to be respected. And we heard from Tencent at the same time, we recognized in them, not just the biggest company, uh, biggest game development company in the world, but a company that has a vast experience in creating compelling live service and engaging player communities and understanding exactly the culture that's necessary to go and build that. Since that was a big part of our business plan with Nightingale, we got excited by the complementary expertise that was largely driven from a game design standpoint and where we want to take the game. More and more, we are investing in elements of our survival crafting experience, and we made the decision that to ensure we could ship this game and not find ourselves in a very long development cycle that many MMOs do, we would walk away from those things. All right, so Cog, we have an acquisition here. Um, the biggest takeaway, and the reason I really wanted to talk about it is, as I've said multiple times this show, it has been extracted from another publisher through a majority stake being sold off to Tencent. Mm. And obviously we can talk about Inflexion, this Nightingale service game by Aaron Flynn and his team but what do you make of what is a story that's not getting a lot of traction, but I thought was quite fascinating that we kind of have a trade deal here, if you will.
3: Yeah, that's how I was looking at it. It, it, it was just, I never seen nothing like that. It was, it, mm-hmm. It's very, very unique situation. You know, I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know about, you know, obviously the Spatial or West thing, but I guess I was trying to understand the mindset for, for moving because when I was reading the report, I don't know, I got the vibe like, they didn't want to deal with elements of like MMO and, and live service stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, well, isn't that kind of what Tencent is trying to do with certain things? I was very confused with the messaging here. That's all I was, as far as the reasoning for why the deal happened kind of thing. And then the obvious, which is, yo, you know what you're getting in bed with, right? You know, we 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 all we know what we're doing here kind of thing. And Again, it's your choice, you have the right, but mm-hmm. th- is this type of game going to fit that model with what you want to do? Are you going to be able to achieve your goals? That That's my main concern with, with being under Tencent I've, as we've talked at nauseam, you know, uh, many Defining Duke, Defining Duke Ultimates, we had that with Colin, like, you know, we always say like, not every bag is a good bag. So again, are they going to commit and do everything that you need them to do and you're comfortable with that? Then okay, that, that's what you did. But this was a very strange, I've never seen this. Like I, I was just like, I'm trying to find examples of like a trade where it's like, yo, we're going this publisher and you give me that. And mm-hmm. I can't remember that. So what do you think? I'm very, is very intriguing. Yeah. I think
1: on a video game front, uh, I remember being excited for what Aaron Flynn was working on. Cause this is a Bioware OG. And like when he left, made his own studio and he announced like, we're going to show this off at the game awards. We're really excited about it. I was like, okay, like, let's go, let's see what this is about. When I saw it was a service game, I just rolled my eyes. I'm like, man, really? Like, someone from BioWare, just go and make a fucking RPG studio already. Like, that's all I'm asking for. Uh, But the game on its own, like, even with that aside, like, I just don't think it looks that great. And I think it's a pretty telling sign of where this game is going when the current publisher says they, word for word, because Aaron says this, saw a future for itself in a different direction. That is the exact quote and they then sold to the biggest service games publisher on the market, Tencent, who will undoubtedly, like, it just says that the design of this game is absolutely going to be, in my eyes, like, probably pay to win. There's probably going to be a ton of microtransactions. Like, that's what it speaks to me. Cause, you know, all of this talk for Flynn, what he's not probably recognizing here in my eyes, all I'm seeing is someone who's excited by the business proposition of what it means for his studio, not what it means for the game. He's like, they get it. They get what it means to build a service game, a community. They get it. And I'm just like, yeah, Tencent gets money. Like, they understand how to make money. Uh, so on a game front, there's no enthusiasm for me, and I'll just keep an eye open to see what Nightingale fully is at its yeah. release, which is apparently in early access this year at some point. So yeah. we'll see shortly.
3: Yeah, that's my curiosity. With Nightingale itself— how it executes, what type of content is in the game? I'm very curious about that. And survival only hopefully... crafting, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, all their you know dreams, wants, and wishes are achieved. You know.
1: Yeah, we'll but I just thought it was pretty interesting because you know I've been really beating that Bioware drum, like yeah. extract them from EA, extract them from EA, a publicly traded company. Yeah, now yeah. we're seeing it's possible. It's, it's possible. Xbox, pick up the phone. <laughs> nah, anyone can pick up the phone. Just get Bioware out of there, please. Get Bioware, out. please. They don't deserve to die.
3: Don't. I feel you on that. I feel definitely on that part.
1: You thought I was bad with Deathloop. I'm just saying, like, you oh, want yeah. to hear me rant and rave if Bioware dies because of EA? Oh, my gosh.
3: Yeah, you will be going in. That'll be a special emergency episode. I already know. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I already know. You, you know. To well. up. Mm-hmm. All right. Number seven goes to fighting games. It appears that Capcom was in the fighting game mood this past week as they had two significant announcements for all of us. The first one is arriving at the end of a long countdown, Street Fighter VI. The last Street Fighter game never made its way to Xbox, and it's safe to expect history is to repeat itself here. Capcom says to expect more updates from Street Fighter VI this summer. Separately, they also announced the Capcom Fighting Collection, which includes... Darkstalkers the Night Warriors, Night Warriors Darkstalkers Revenge, Vampire Savior the Lord of the Vampire, that's a hilarious name, Vampire Hunter 2 Darkstalkers Revenge, Vampire Savior 2 the Lord of Vampire, Red Earth, Cyberbots Full Metal Madness, Super Gem Fighter Minimax, Super Puzzle Fighter Turbo 2, and Hyper Street Fighter 2. (laughs) The Capcom Fighting Collection will be available on June 24th on Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. Ooh. All right, Cog. So you're you're really the. Uh, I have played a lot of fighting games in my days, but I think over the years, I've since Dragon Ball Fighters, I'd say I haven't really been hooked to one like Dragon Ball Fighters and and Tekken Seven were like yeah, the last ones much, I yeah. can think where I was like that's I was in a fighting game group. Mm-hmm. Since then, I've I've just in and out, in and out, like Blaze Blue, Grand Blue, I think actually it was uh, Dead or Alive Six. I was kind of into nothing was really quite grabbing me. So I wanted to shoot you, Cog, and and hear. How you feel as a big fighting game guy. Like what, what do you think about Capcom's recent announcements?
3: Little nervous. Okay. Little nervous. I love that the collection's coming to to Xbox. I like yeah, that's yeah. multiplayer, so they didn't miss out on that. But you know, I've been on record for being very aggressive about Street Fighter Five and how however however that happened is just a disservice to Xbox fans, fighting fans, because it's like, but not saying that it's wrong for Sony to have done that. You know what I'm saying? Sony's done what's best for Sony. What I'm just saying is that I don't see, as a fighting game fan, I don't see that level of determination to to keep those on the platform, to make things launch day and day on your platform. I don't see, you're, you, you literally have one of, I'm gonna be hard on them, you have one of your own, I'm not even a Killer Instinct guy, I'm gonna be mm-hmm. honest but mm-hmm. I recognize how popular that game is and I recognize the importance of it. And you have that, it did well on the Xbox One. I remember that was kind of an early, you know, launch title towards, the, and where's the sequel? What's going on? Why is the studio not in that? Like, what's going on? Why are you not in the thing? And then I see mm-hmm. Sony over here, they bought Evo, they got this, That, and I'm just worried, Maddie. I am worried. Mm. That this six gets announced, shout out to Grub. He's the one that put out the energy that you know that Street Fighter Six would be announced. They still have not announced all the platforms yet. They just made a trailer, but it it would suck if Microsoft's not part of this again. You know, Mm. as a fighting fan, because I just feel they're so egregiously deficient. Like it's just, it's just where are the fighting games? Like where are they on the platform? So, yeah, that that's going to be probably one of my other movements. <laughs> I haven't come up with a name for it. You know what I'm saying? We got, we got the hashtag, just one. But we got to have a fighting game movement. We talked about the JRPG stuff as well. Fighting games are even in a, in a worse state, especially if you want Game Pass to be what Game Pass is supposed to be. You need fighting games. You need these diverse lineups.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree entirely. And I, it's a game that I don't expect to come to Xbox Street Fighter 6. But I, you know... I'd like to see it, but it's like that that, they're fighting wars on both fronts, right? You got the JRPG war and then you got the fighting game war. And I'm wondering if they're kind of looking at what's most beneficial to us and kind of picking a direction and going in it because we're seeing progress on that front. But the fighting game front, man, it's barren. If if Netherrealm gets gobbled up by someone and they become exclusive to a company, it's over. It's over. Like it's like, you know, think of. Call of Duty, if it were to go exclusive to Xbox, because then they got Doom, Wolfenstein, Call of Duty, Halo. All they need is Battlefield, and it'd be, (laughs) it's done, right? Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of similar situation there. Um, But I was never, I was actually never a crazy Street Fighter fan. I didn't, you know, fighting games all about feel, right? Like, of course, it's the aesthetic, the characters, the moveset, the arenas. There's a lot of factors that play in. But for me, the feel of Street Fighter, I don't know if you agree, like, it always felt weighty to me. I like a fluid fighter. That's why I always, I think of Dead or Alive, like when I was talking about it earlier, you know, all these fighters I like Dead or Alive, Tekken, Dragon Ball, like they have a fluidity, like a flow, They're quick, you You can get around.
3: Yeah, I'm not good at Street Fighter. It's funny, I'm not even a Street Fighter hardcore guy like that either. You know what I'm saying? I just, I respect the impact it has though on the industry. Street Fighter is a thing though, right? To to miss out on Street Fighter is, that's big, man. I mean, Mm. next to, it's you could make the case. It's arguably you know one of the greatest fights. I mean, shout out to David. Like we we had him on you know the Last Stand media you know yeah. event. He he brought Street Fighter out there. He's like yo Street Fighter Had two the ones, outfit and everything. that the outfit and everything. You know what I'm saying? Trying lead all that. Like it's a big deal. These are iconic characters and yeah, maybe the series has been on the decline a little bit. I, I don't know what the the numbers are, but actually no, I heard Street Fighter Five actually did very well for PlayStation exclusively. I mm-hmm, already did very mm-hmm. well. But mm-hmm. the, the the thing comes down to you cannot miss these events. And and it, if if you are, where where are your own offerings or you know that kind of thing? And it's just, you know, I don't know what's going on. And I, I think what it is, I think you said it. I'll take it back. I think you said it. I think what it, what's going on is that there's probably a bullet, bulletin board internally. And it's probably like JRPGs, fighting games. It's on there, right? Yeah. But it's like Okay, we can't give them everything right now. So Persona and Atlas, we won for this. First. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if that's the case, yeah, you got to pick your battles and you got to say, okay, but please just don't forget the fighting community, man. Don't let your opposition have a complete Absolutely. stranglehold on it where you are not even in the mix. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Well, that's all the
1: news we've got for everyone this week. It's time to move in our Game Pass Pick of the Week. I want to start off with Garrett Gottrust and then get into your Pick of the Week, Cog. Garrett writes in, Ahoy Dukes, just wanted to give a shout out to an indie game that dropped into Game Pass Day 1 last week. The game is called Infernax. It's a 2D modern retro style platformer that is heavily inspired by the likes of Castlevania 2 and Zelda 2 with some modern RPG mechanics and some really solid choice and consequence. I picked this game up as I wanted something short to finish before Elden Ring lands, but I've been unable to put Infernax down. May you have an Atlas announced an Xbox game kind of day. Yo, this
3: joint look actually really cool.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at sh- it;
3: like it looks really cool. I, I, he nailed it. It does look like Zelda Two and Castlevania had a baby. <laughs> like it, it, I like. I like the feel. Did you, did you know about this one? I didn't even know. about Uh
1: this one. no, actually, you know, it's so sad that what got me. This does really look like Castlevania. Holy smokes, man! Yeah,
3: it looked crazy. Wow, man. dude. Yeah.
1: I, 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 you know what's so sad is I'm, I'm such a. If I'm a shill for anything, it's a shill for choice and consequence. Like the, when it's sad, I'm just like what's this then you know, Let's just check it out in a heartbeat it's like you sure with like this? looter shooter you're like yeah. oh. <laughs> it, it drops, it drops <laughs> items when it dies
3: <laughs> oh. yo 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 <laughs> loot <laughs> yeah. yep. this oh this fun. is cool uh, this is really cool it looks cool I gotta give them. yo I didn't know about it for X shout out yeah shout dude, out to them, man. dude
1: Xbox has been uh, let's shout out let's give the roses real quick dude their indie program has been yes. on fire Yeah. on fire they've been finding some good ones man shout
3: out to indie ID at Xbox shout out to Chris Charles the whole team I think they even got my boy. What's his name? Damon Bakes. He used to be Nintendo. He used to do the Nintendo Directs. They got him over there. They mm. made moves on XID at Xbox. They've been moving and shaking, and we know Sarah. She always reps them as well. Sarah Bonnet. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, salute to them. They, they've been killing it. They've been making good choices and really promoting. It's good to see. It's good to see.
1: Right on. Well, Cog, you've been playing something that uh, that's really, that's really interesting to see. All right, let's get into it.
3: Yeah, so I've been on this kick lately where we talk about the palette cleansing stuff and we talked about between major releases and what you're doing. So obviously the Witch Queen is coming up and stuff like that. And then I've also been on this kick of, oh, let me say the game before they get mad. Streets of Rage, DLC uh, 4. <laughs> they can get mad when I when I build it up. So Streets of, of Rage 4, the Nightmare, what you call DLC, because I haven't played it since. And that was the thing. So the, the kick I've been on between the palette cleansing and between, you know, I'm on this kick, like, yo, where is local co-op at? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's hard to find these days. And the only one that was doing it well was, honestly, Nintendo Switch, you know? And I felt like, yo, this is one for Xbox. So I went back mm-hmm. to it. Yo, it's actually really cool. Like, they've added a bunch of new modes. They got three characters. They got one of my favorite characters from Streets of Rage 2, which is the big wrestler, the big, you know, Brawler guy. Of course, i going to pick the big Brawler guy. Okay, get it. Yeah, but, yeah, shout out to Matt. Now, he was one of my favorite characters. But what I like is they didn't just throw him in and put the whole Streets of Rage 2 sprite thing and mm-hmm. just copy-paste him in. Like, they really did hand-drawn art. He's got He's kind of OP on some levels. He got these slide mm-hmm. attacks and these other great, great attacks. They added new weapons, new enemies. There's two other characters. One was a sub-boss that was in the game as Chick. just kind of like a cop who's really good. And then a a fan favorite that I believe was in Streets of Rage 3 was Shiva. Shiva is like the coolest. You fought him in Streets of Rage 4, but he's like one of the coolest characters. They added a lot to the game. There's a survival mode. Bro, if you got a couple minutes, you know what I'm saying? You just want to kind of, again, mindless beat him up, old school classic, it brought the feels back. I'm playing it with my cousin. I'm like, yo, this it's I still love this thing, man. And it just mm-hmm. goes in that vein of like how you love turtles in time. That's how Streets of Rage be. And there's nothing better nice. than Streets of Rage, you and your man beating people up, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you got the the cool sounds of Yuzo Kashiro. That's he's he's a legend to me. He did like he's one of the original um music soundtrack creators of Streets of Rage. And he um, did about two or three tracks and shout out to Determo because their music guys did some great tracks on this as well. Yeah, this yeah. is another one. Speaking of gym music, Streets of Rage 4 got a beat. Anybody got that soundtrack? It's called Chow Time. When that beat comes on, I know the stage. I know the boss I was fighting. This is a gym track? Yes. I'm doing the best cardio when that Streets of Rage 4 beat. So I had to give <laughs> Streets of Rage. They do geek lifting geek cardio all day to that soundtrack <laughs> salute <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it on real quick but
1: yeah i actually it's funny i i picked many many months ago i picked streets of rage Four mm-hmm. as a um as a game pass pick of the week because i was like yo this is just a great old-fashioned beat-em-up and our Chow Time, it actually came up immediately. Yeah, okay. Chow,
3: yo, look at look at look at the ratings in comparison. Like usually they, they rate like how many people like the songs of the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. That yo, know, Chow Town when that is almost it's got a little it's a little street, but with the techno when that techno beat hit, it's over. You are doing the fastest sprint you've ever I done. See if I remember it, yeah, Chow Town is. It, it start, It's a build-up, though. It's, it sounds like some real like, oh, yeah, Oriental Cool. And then when, when you hear that, mm, 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 when that hit, it's over. You're doing the best thing ever. You're going to beat be all your personal goals. I'm telling you. Ciao oh, time. I see. I see where you got Woo! it. <laughs> you know what yeah. you see. I'm, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Ciao time. I know the stage. I know the people I'm fighting is on. Love that joint.
1: Yeah. This is reminds- right. This reminds me of the club music in Seafood, where when it just kicks off and you're beating ass and it's like (laughs) dropping bass in the background, there's nothing like it.
3: Oh, and shout out to them. They added a ton of customization options with the character, the palette swaps, change the color of the suits, the hair, give your character, everybody like a different, unique look. They did, they did, man. Shout out to the demo. They really did fan service. And And the
1: the DLC, is that a part of uh, Game
3: Pass? Free? Free free 99, no excuse. You even got to pay. It's all free. Wow.
1: That's impressive for how long that game's been hanging around for. Yeah, salute to them. That's a great pick. With that, we have five questions to go through to end the show. Stephen Richard writes in, What's good, Dukes? I wasn't sure if this news reached either of you, but Avatar The Last Airbender has some games coming its way. There's a confirmed MMORPG in the universe, a more RPG-style game with rumors of the original cast as the squad, and a mobile game being developed by Square Enix. Are you guys Avatar The Last Airbender fans like me? I feel the majority of kids around my age, twenty-five, grew up with this show, and since M. Night Shyamalan destroyed the franchise, we've heard <laughs> nothing up until recently. Where do you guys stand on this? Hope you have a solid day with no one asking about your car's extended warranty.
3: Yeah, what's up with that? I agree with him. Shout out to Steve. Yeah. Those extended warranty spam calls Man. and email. my
1: my favorite one is the uh, we've updated our privacy policy emails. I'm just like I don't care, I don't care. Stop stop filling up my inbox. Anyway. Cog, uh, are, you, are you an Avatar guy?
3: I got a confession. Oh, no, 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 I've never no, even no, no. watched one. I, what? I, heard of it. I, wow, I This is man. an addict thing. I'm old. I'm old. This is your generation. I don't, I heard, you yeah. know what's so crazy? I've heard so much about it, but I've never watched it. One of my favorite UFC fighters oh like, i know uh adesanya yeah Ades- he's like he's doing flea's doing i'm like this is clearly influenced by this thing because he is about it you know he makes the style references. bender bro style, style bender. bender yeah i'm yeah. like okay like so it's a thing i just i just don't know i, I missed the boat bro i'm old just educate me <sighs> yeah um <laughs> it's been a while since i've seen it but uh the
1: impact avatar left on my generation is like Unlike rather anything else, you know, to me, it's the top cartoons of that time are are Avatar, you know, me growing up, TMNT 03, Spongebob. Like those, that's like the trifecta of me growing up. Like that, those were the things. Avatar never really had good video games ever. They had the Legend of Korra Platinum game, which if you beat the game, this is the weirdest thing I've ever had to say. If you beat Legend of Korra, the Platinum game, in repeat runs, the game is balanced and way, way better. But that first run is kind of like Mutants in Manhattan, like what the fuckery? <laughs> That's kind of what you got there. And so there's another reason why Xbox should be wary of Platinum probably. But look, no, easy. But, you know, look, Avatar is, is back in full force now. I, I genuinely think because of TikTok. Like, I don't know what else it is. Like they put it on... Netflix, I want to say, or some streaming service, people started watching it and realizing the writing for this show is incredible. Like, there's so much wisdom from Uncle Iroh that's bestowed upon you. The arc of Prince Zuko, which I won't spoil for you, Cog, but the arc of Prince Zuko is legendary, man. The way this prince, this firebending prince, goes from villain to hero. There's something special about it. Mm -hmm. And of course, the trifecta of Avatar Aang saka and katara and eventually tough just this is a ragtag group that mm-hmm. is fun to watch develop so many feels with this show so i caught wind of this news and you know of course me the rpg shell yeah, uh-huh. i love I the sound of a little squad with the original cast getting together i don't think legend of korra gets enough love though this is the sequel follow-up to avatar and i think that does a lot of great things i think it retains the spirit in a lot of meaningful ways and it's some good shit in there so i would love to see more of that as well but this game is due for or this universe is due for a game an mmo though what <laughs> why like an mmo in a, a mobile game so it's like you're telling me we got one shot that's what i'm reading it as we got one shot to get in there and do this right here with an rpg style game Mm. I hope, and I hope it's not like an RPG. I put this in quotes, like Dragon Ball Z, Kakarot, where it's it's a it's a 3D beat 'em up with yeah. very light RPG elements. So we'll see on that. But I mean, for you, Cog, does does this make you knowing there might be a game on the way or two? Do you look at this and go like, it's time for me to sit down and watch. You know, that face tells me everything. I, I should just I should just move on.
3: <laughs> you know I love you, the Rutos and Dragon Ball guy. I oh, love no. you guys. I love you guys. I I, I don't want to kill your joy. <laughs> oh, no. But old cog, You know what it is? I'm an old dog. You can't teach me the new tricks on certain things now. Because I come from like, all the old heads will understand. Like, I'm a G1 Transformers purist. Colin will appreciate I'm a... G.I. Joe, old school. Yeah, you two get along just fine. Yeah, like that. So Dustin's my, my man. Yeah, he exactly. Dustin's your guy. Like, so you're, you're the new generation. You an addict and Dustin, like that's all you, because in your eyes, like yo, this is God tier and I feel you. And for us, that stuff is God tier. So we see the new stuff, we like, it's not like, G1, mm. it's not like, you know, Guy, it's not like Gotcha Gachaman. Like, those are the stuff I grew up with. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm. It, it, it's just a generational thing. So it's, I think what it is, I've become the the grumpy old man in a way. i are more
1: open-minded than that,
3: I am more open-minded, but with certain things, I'm very bougie. Like, my mm. G1, tra- like, I don't, like, when Transformers got, Beast Wars, I, I, like, throw Beast Wars fans out the window. I don't want to hear about Beast Wars. I don't want to, like, to mm. me, Optimus Prime is classic G1. Even Bayformers, mm, you know what I'm saying? I deal with it because it was just I was happy it got to the big screen. But sure. like it's something about the star screen with Chris Latta's voice, the, the the Frank Walker Megatron voice. Like it, those are the ones that resonate with me. The maniacal, the deception. Like it is something different. It was a different time. And it's it's just an era thing, man. That's all it is. It. It's just era. That's it. all.
1: Yeah, I think Avatar is, is excellent, but I, I also think a lot of its popularity, or its respawn of popularity, has come in the form of just like stupid TikToks. I hate that platform.
3: <laughs> just- and, and the last point is that one time, I'm like, all right, I think I'll try because be like, yo, you got to. And then they'd be like, yo, yeah, it is. Four hundred episodes. I'm like, what? <laughs> like yeah. somebody not, I think not saying only
1: three seasons for Avatar. But so it good.
3: was like Dragon Ball, and he was like, "Show oh. me how many episodes of this and Naruto was." And I'm like, "Nah, I'm good. It's no."
1: Nah, Naruto is on another level, but but Dragon Ball as well. Dragon Ball. It's so weird how popular. I was talking to my friends about this. Dragon Ball is so stupidly popular, and I'm like, in my eyes, like they have a legendary show in Z, but. When you go back to watch it, it's not really indicative of of like the speed and action of the series. And then you look at Super, which was like destroyed by poor animation and and poor story arcs that were super predictable, recycled from Z. Mm-hmm. All that they really have to show for themselves, in my eyes, as someone who's like a diehard Dragon Ball fan, y'all have seen the Dragon Ball drip. Oh, I yeah, show up in here all the time. I own, I own the Dragon. I own the Goku Adidas sneakers. Like no one, no one front on me. All right, this respect. is a Super fan talking. I respect it. But, like, in my eyes, the only thing they really have to show of modern Dragon Ball, like, this is what it's about. This is what we love, is the recent Broly movie. And it's like, that's it. That's all there is to me. Like, mm. of course, there's legendary moments. But if I were to say to you, Kog, yo, go, go, go check out the movie about Broly from, like, 2003. You'd watch it and be like, dude, who's Harutagarn? What is this? What you know, is like, this? Yeah. yeah. yeah it, it, like, this is not good. This is horrible <laughs> animation. It, it's
3: just it's fascinating. It.
1: I could go on. me and dustin need to do an anime cast yes that has to happen yeah all right we got another question here from avery d hello mid-range maddie and cqc cog long time first time here i have a question about the future of game pass pricing for you a few episodes back it could be more than a few this pandemic has ruined my sense of time hey me too by the way maddie mentioned he believes that microsoft will or will not raise the price of game pass depending on what sony's spartacus is priced at Going back to this, if Spartacus or one of its tiers is priced higher than Game Pass, do you think Microsoft will keep their price lower or match its price? On the flip side, if Spartacus is the same price as or lower than Game Pass, do you think Microsoft will stay at their current price point or lower to match its competition? Thanks for a fantastic show week after week and have a I'm at the top of the leaderboard and nothing can stop me kind of day. A lot of well wishes this week, I'm noticing. Very,
3: very nice. Everyone's feeling
1: pretty good, I guess. Elden Ring
3: kind of week. Yeah, that's what it is. Good games out. Yeah, shout out to every D. Um, good question. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if the price is gonna be dictated by what Spartacus does necessarily. Like the only thing I think that Spartacus could dictate is how much quality they're offering. Like right? what, what are they gonna go day and day? Like how much is it? Are they doing back compat? You know, I, I think as a package, what they offer is more impactful to what Game Pass is doing versus hey, we're just launching a service and it's going to be $20 or whatever. I don't think necessarily Xbox has to jump to that or is going to beat to that drum. So, you know, to me, my, my thing is with Game Pass pricing is as studios acquisitions continue, as games mature, as more games get into service, yes, I do think the price is going to go up. You know, it's not mm-hmm. going to stay at this, you know, price that it is now, and I think you probably see less of the $1 deals and all this, you know, subsidy stuff. I think that's we're in that still that beginning to middle phase of growth. And I don't think that's going to be towards the middle to their end game. So that's where I'm at with it. But I'm curious, do you think, do you think Spartacus could um, influence it or?
1: Yeah. It's, it's funny because Avery asked a really great question here because Mm. you think of the one side, which is, Oh, Microsoft should stand pat until this is announced because if it's higher, then they look great. But do they eventually raise it? And there's so many tendrils to that conversation that really, I didn't consider when, pitching the idea so the first part of the question was i'm just going to reread it here do you think microsoft would keep their price lower or match its price on the flip side of spartacus is the same price or lower than game pass do you think they'll stay at their price point or lower it to match its competition i don't think going lower is an option here i think if they stay aggressive like they are with the money in the bank that they have I think they only go up. That's kind of the nature. Has, has there ever been a subscription service in history that went, we're going lower? Maybe they offer more tiers. Tiers, but yeah, yeah, that's it. You might get a, a lower, that's, yeah, that's a great point. Like a that's lower tier with less offering, which they kind of already have now. So yeah. and most people are asking for more, funny enough, like they want to pay more. They want a family package. Like it, it's a weird situation a weird for Game thing. Pass, yeah. where they're like, "Yeah, we could totally raise this if we wanted to, and I'm sure mm-hmm. we get away with it." But I'm again, I'm I'm under the belief that they're waiting for like a big next subscription service to add into it, like a Ubisoft Plus or something like yes. that. But I'm getting off track here. It's about PlayStation. I think that they remain. I th- what I said was, if they if they will remain until Spartacus announces their price point. At that point, if it's higher, I think they can eventually comfortably raise because they are the established market right. leader for subscription services, at least right now they are. And I think they'll continue to be just because of the the legacy that's already been put into place there. Uh, but if they're the same price, I think that's great because now Xbox is not going to be as comfortable moving it up. And if they right. do move it up, it's going to be a game of inches, not yards. Like that's it's great. not going to be, okay, we'll go up five bucks. It's like, let's do, let's do two, mm-hmm. you know, let's do one. Let's not do anything crazy here. Because uh, if you have 25 million subscribers like they do, think of how much you get with an extra buck. Right? Oh, for sure. It adds well, up. It adds so up. It's a, yeah, it's it's great money in the bank. So I, I hope that they're around the same price point. That as, Again, also for the PlayStation side of things, I don't want them to get scammed. I don't, PlayStation's edging towards Nintendo territory for me on a level of like with this potential Spartacus tier system where they're like, maybe gonna add back compat to it i'm like no 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 you don't you do not monetize that you do not like if you want to put it in your service and say this is a part of our library that's one thing but if you're going to sell back compat like nintendo selling it in a subscription service as they strip down the e-shop just like playstation tried to strip down their e-shop pay attention wake up because it's bad man it's bad what they're doing if that's the route they're taking that's where i think i'll lose my cool more than any other price tag but that's passion speaking so uh, great question it. by Avery. That's a great question. Okay. I get a lot. I get very hot these episodes lately. I I've <laughs> no, I, love I, think it, it's, I think it's because I do one podcast, so I got a lot more to say. You know, usually in the beginning of the show, you catch me come off of Ham Radio, Defining Duke Ultimate, which I was on like every single episode, plus my videos. I'm like. Okay, I'm a little, I've gotten it all out by this point in time. Now it's just like explode energy everywhere. No, but
3: is these good, spicy topics that, you know, shout out to, to the Patreon fan because they really know what kind of our sensibilities are and they're you know getting what makes more. Me tick, yeah, they, they're getting into <laughs> what kind of bothers us and ticks us. Like, what do you feel about that? You know what Man, I mean? We yeah. know how you feel. So good stuff. Shout out to Everyday. Next up is Giovanni D'Amico who writes Ooh, in.
1: Salute. Hey Dukes, I'm jumping into Horizon Forbidden West this week and plan to play nothing else for a while. Kind of feels like the start of a new MMO because I'll be fully immersed into a ton of open world content and I'm putting everything else on the back burner. Question for you is, if you could set your ideal release calendar, would you prefer a regular cadence of one giant content rich game that you can sink into for weeks on end or two shorter, less packed experiences that could hop, you could hop between more frequently? Obviously, we have different types of games in the industry and a perfect world where both types would constantly be releasing so that you could vary it up. What are you more drawn to? I know Cog is a living game fiend, salute, he says, but also a Game Pass enthusiast. And I know Maddie likes those beefy JRPGs, but also enjoys trying new things. Hey, speaking of, just real quick before I wrap this up, speaking of knowing us well. Yeah. And paying attention right there.
3: Yeah, I remember him on Twitter. Shout out to Giovanni. Mm-hmm. He, he, yeah. really, he really reps us.
1: Yeah, he really does. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. But yeah. if you had to choose which option appeals most,
3: Cog, let's start off with you. You're to pose a tough one because I'm like a, I'm a gaming contradiction on some levels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's times I love my, you know, like I said, you love my destiny. These 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 live service, you know, looter shooters, tinkering, yeah. mid maxing, cooperative guy. But then I gotta lie. I don't know if it's because I'm a content creator and time is. Is lessened, and I, there's something to be said about like a high quality 10 to 12 or 14 hour game. And I actually starting to love them more now. Mm. Like, you know, remember what I told you? Like, Forgotten City came out of nowhere for me, and Disco yeah. was a little longer. You know, those are games that, that jumped on my radar, and I'm like, damn, I can't stop playing it. And I just like that there's a finish. And and I'm like, yo, I felt I still did felt this was worth it. I felt I got a lot out of it. And sure. I'm on to the next one. So I don't I guess I don't want to be anti-open world all the way, but yeah, I do have fatigue sometimes. I do, I do have that, you know, I can't I basically have to make those what we call the business decisions, right? I mm-hmm. can't sure. commit to all of these. Right. So it's like I gotta make the tough call. Now there are some that when they come, I'm stopping everything. You know, what I mean? there's mm-hmm. a few you know, JRPGs the same way. Like with Final Fantasy VII, I stop everything. Because I've already been there. I've invested all yeah. the way. There's, when you have that investment, when you've been there from the beginning, then it's like, okay, I got to see this thing through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But when the new guy comes and he's like, yo, he's the new next big thing, it's like, damn, the struggle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a dichotomy that I'm in. And, and, you know, if it's up to me, I'd have maybe one or two big ones for the year. And I, I, I would prefer the, the the less shorter experiences and I'm fine with that. But how uh, about you, Mr. Manny Plays, Mr. Play Everything, Review Everything?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess in a lot of instances, I don't really have a say, Giovanni, but <laughs> it's tough because I, I don't want to straw man the answer here, but like when a game's content rich, I, I got to go back to Elden Ring. I'm going to go back to this one a lot. But when it it's like that, you. it's like, like that's a, give me more, give me more, give me more. Like, but in open world, the reason it got fatigued is because we were getting more and they were giving us less interesting things to do. Good but point. Like, open world gives you good stuff to do. It's like the best type of game you can get because you're just living and breathing Deliberate. that world. Oh, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. you don't get you, like that's the that's the evolution of our games. But obviously when you get Ubisoft stepping in, and even some of the best games in recent years, like Ghost of Tsushima, clearly following a little bit of the template there. You know these big games can sometimes be unattractive but i also understand why people love them because i remember when i was in high school like i loved open world games no matter what because it meant that as a kid who had no money like i got to sit with that That's game for a yeah. long while yes really get my money's worth the and point. i didn't have to reach for the next game so quickly so there's a value to that inherently uh for me though in inherently again i am more attracted to the tighter experience but that doesn't necessarily mean i think that's often thought of as the indie 10 hour game i'm talking more the 30-ish hours which i know doesn't sound short but we're in a day and age where you can go as low as five and as high as like 90 to 100 i think 30 really isn't asking too much even of a casual player you can bang that out in a number of weekends if you're Mm -hmm. really kind of playing a couple like five hours a weekend i think you can actually get through Games of that length, so I don't think it's unreasonable, but I do consider that shorter. And I think it's because of my heritage with Bioware, like their games really define like that twenty to thirty hour replayable experience, where it's enough to play it once and go, I'm done. It's enough to also come back a million and one times and be like, I I love this shit, like give me yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, yeah, I'll take a, you know, instead of five Ubisoft style games in an open world. I mean, not their yeah. games, but just like a. A styled open world like that, every what did he say? Couple of weeks or shorter, less packed experiences that you could hop into more frequently. I'm always going to take the new experiences because then you take those new experiences and maybe you build them into something bigger. That's what mm. Elden Ring really is. Like, yeah, it was a ton of smaller experiences. I mean, obviously these games are super long, like mm-hmm. in the case of Dark Souls especially. Uh, but these are these are games that amounted. To something much more, right? So they start off small and they get big. I don't like when things start off
3: big. I'm with you, and, and the way you feel there is how why I was so excited. It's gonna sound weird, PlayStation fans, but it's like I look at something like Seafood, and I'm like, yeah, that's for me because I can see the potential that you could build to something even bigger. So mm. I, I get it, I get it. And and for the Souls salute, mm. man, because like to see where this genre has gone and now Elder Ring, like that's the the most awesome evolution, right? Into seeing, you know, a game go somewhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for writing in, Giovanni. Let's talk with Mike Poe, who writes in. Good day, Dukes. The past weekend, I finished up Nobody Saves the World from Drinkbox Studios. A sad realization I had while playing it, though, is that I started popping rare diamond achievements by hitting main story milestones, meaning that less than 10% of players who booted up this game have made it to the final dungeon. This isn't a long game, though, so I was surprised to see that story achievements were considered rare. I know that an average game has only about 20% of players hitting the end credits, but I would have thought Game Pass would help raise that a bit. My question is whether you all think Game Pass is going to have a positive or negative effect on overall game completion rates, and if you've noticed any change in how long you stick with a game, that's on Game Pass.
3: Mmm, I like this. I do this, too, man. This is really good. This is really good. I'm... A little guilty myself. And yo, I'm Dangan Rampa on that list. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're gonna hit the T. We're
1: gonna hit the T here. Oh God. Is, yeah, is Dangan, Dangan Rop, uh, the the twenty percenter, the ten percenter? Yeah.
3: Oh no. Oh Listen, no is it's it's true though. It's true because you know what's sad. Should have is... made you pay for it. I should've made <laughs> you pay for it. Then you oh, that up. wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have still got distracted. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, all jokes aside, but I, I just think that I, it does bother me when you know I'm playing a game and I, I'm, I'm going through and I see that diamond achievement like I'm some elite person that is just like completing right. chapter 6. <laughs> yeah, And I'm like damn we got a diamond achievement? Now granted I remember with Halo there was some things people were like yo the achievements were glitched and stuff like that but I have to admit it, it does I don't have any hard and fast data so I, I, we'd have to really research this but I could just tell you by answer, the data feels like I do see the rare achievement pop up a little bit too much on games that I'm like, yo, this shit, this is, this is big. This, this shit, it's in the service is bigger. So maybe people are hopping around and, and maybe let's be honest, this is another reality we may not want to deal with. Gamers are changing. They're not mm-hmm. the gamers that we are right? And the gamers ahead are not to always kind of, I feel like I believe Fortnite too much and I apologize, but it's like there's the generation that's like the Battle Royal, the live service, the, you know, and and, and they're just doing that and they're doing the Apexes and a lot of those games ain't really achievement based on on that. It's about kills and other stuff. So if you're living in those type of games, you're not necessarily playing those other type of games. And, and, and let's just look at the, again, the top Xbox games, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of them, I'm just speaking for Xbox, are not a lot of those single player only, no multiplayer in it, no cooperative. When, when do you see that? You know what games I used to only see kind of was was your, was your boys, was Bethesda. When a new Bethesda release, it peak, it peak, it, it, it hold on, which is impressive. That's what shows you Bethesda's pedigree, that it even be in there with just a single player component and really nothing else but eventually it would just lag off. You see Roblox, you see Call of Duty Warzone, you see the the usual suspects, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think it's more indicative of gaming the the generation of gamers with what they play. The majority plays those Call of Duties and the stuff that we hardcore shun and and, and mock. And I just think it may be that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think Game Pass will impact a, a completion rate for a lot of people cuz I mean, just by default, you're going to have more people playing, popping initial trophies, so that percentage is going to get lower and lower, and it's going to become rare just by player count alone. So I think you're going to just generally speaking on a percentage level see more rare trophies because of that, because now Game Pass gives you the option to see if you like something and go, okay, this was good, or "Eh, not, not me, or maybe I'll come back to this later. I don't think every game pass download is necessarily going to result in abandonment because people just have an abundance of riches and they're like i'm gonna go here play with this and play with this it's like i think for some people it's genuinely just going to be seeing if it's for them and some people will stick with it some people won't like i know i wouldn't have tried out unsighted although i did pay for it separately on steam to support that team uh, because it was a small two-person indie team but that's a game that i found through game pass and learn more about the team afterwards like that is that is the beauty of it is the discovery engine. And so you don't stick with everything you just uncover. Like you're, you're able to test it and Good tinker point. with it. And so Good those point. achievements by default will be more rare because I'm certainly not the only one Good going point. through
3: that. Yeah. And last point I'll say is that, let's be honest, we represent the hard course. We're playing more than the average gamer. Sometimes the average gamer is just one or two titles a year and they're living yeah. in those two or three titles and that's it. It's got to really stick, you know? Yeah.
1: So great question, Mike. Thank you for writing in last one goes to sfish 616 i really like this one because i was thinking of playstation and their setup with evo and not recognizing maybe what xbox has here he writes hey guys someone posted the other week about mlg also being a part of xbox now and the potential of big esports tournaments and the thought of a multi-city xbox celebration with QuakeCon, blizzcon and the xbox online event came into my head especially with E3 being dead in most cases and having numerous presentations and also having a major esports tournament with Halo, Gears, Quake, COD, Overwatch, Hearthstone, etc. I think this might be a good way to get BlizzCon back on track and they can learn from QuakeCon because it seems like they run one of the best live events there is and it could be a good way to meld all these three companies eventually into a more cohesive unit. This also helps with fixing the esports units of COD and Overwatch because it seems Halo Infinite so far has done better with esports than most games on the market and could also help with the potential quick reboot if it has PvP. What are
3: your thoughts? Fantastic question. I didn't even think yeah. about it. And it's so funny how big that damn deal is with MLG is a footnote, an asterisk that we yeah, forget.
1: Like like a, oh yeah, type of thing. Oh, right. by the way. It's there. Yep. Yeah, like, yep.
3: yeah, good point, S-Fish. Like, yeah, you know... A lot of potential. We gotta, we gotta admit, they are the shooter box baby. Like they are the shooter box. They got everything there. And then you think about BlizzCon and what's been going on there. You can revise that. You got all these titles. You could really do a marketing blitz and revive Mm -hmm. this thing the right way. And yeah, that's that's a great point. I need to think about it and really become the de facto PvP esports kind of thing we know damn well halo is uh mm-hmm. supporting their esports within their uh monetization model and yes, they're, yes, they're yes. proud of giving you the best skins that they can show you oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> those ray chasing like skins but uh, <laughs> anyway but no, I, I think it's a great question i i think that's something they need to take full advantage of
1: yeah again you, you mentioned it cog that's kind of the term of the show an abundance of riches here where this is such an obvious idea like i think maybe the direct style presentation format could be and there's a lot to think about with that, where it's like you could start throwing together a Xbox Fan Fest, you know, a, a yeah. really big one, a multi-day one that that has the the presentations, like the that. esports tournaments, and Ooh. all of that. Because QuakeCon is something that they can learn from big yes. time. Like QuakeCon, I've been to it before, mm, and you one. know, the, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. They have the oh, what is the name of the room? It's a room where everyone brings their own computers. And it's a huge auditorium like area where it is just everyone's lined up side by side with gaming computers, laptops, probably it, it smells like shit in there, by the <laughs> way, because it's just it just it's loaded with gamer goo and uh, it but it's impressive because everyone gets there and they just play games together. They meet through games together And I feel like if you could combine that with the fanfare of E3 with big announcements, because they tried, like Bethesda tried to bring announcements to QuakeCon and show off like new gameplay and stuff. I think if you mix that with a little bit of BlizzCon fun, like this could be like the Xbox convention. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, there's a lot here.
3: And we were just talking about events, right? How you Mm -hmm. figure out things through the year, and you you know, because let's be honest, with Evo, a lot of times. The fighting, like Tekken Seven, will get debut there, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, they could do that kind of thing and use that as a as a marketing. So I'm with you, man. I think this is a great opportunity. I, I didn't even think about this. This is yeah, tremendous a, potential.
1: Great idea by us, Fish. A lot of great ideas this episode, yes. team. So yes. thank you for writing in, Fish. And uh, that's all we've got for this episode, Cog. It's been a yeah.
3: great one yeah. yet again, a meaty one. A lot of mm-hmm. stuff to talk about. Yeah. Like we have the spectrum with this joint. We got that. We got the Atlas thing. I'm trying to think. Mm. What we what we rolling with. What we rolling it's so many things in this one.
1: I feel like we gotta reward the audience with their write-ins about atlas and jrpgs yeah. like that was i, mean, I like hand I'm over fist the most that. we saw like that. that was an insane amount so what are we doing what
3: are we doing what are we doing mm, I don't know.
1: atlas dd yeah i like atlas dd
3: I yeah. by the
1: way if anyone writes it a l a t l a s you're banned from our show you're banned from our show spell it right taking
3: a game of credit you're yeah. taking a game of credit
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, t- I'm taking away your card you're gonna have to play 40 hours of of persona 4 golden to to get you it back so.
3: you and your atlas you get out of here
1: man. yeah <laughs> atlasdd with a U. Mm-hmm. Use that hashtag, whether it be in the comments here or on the Patreon post or on Twitter at GT7 status is my handle, at lordcognito is cogs. You can tag us there. Let us know what you think of the show. Anything we could improve on? Anything you loved about it? Certainly, we're looking forward to hearing from all of you. And with that, Cog, any closing thoughts or shall we wrap this up?
3: Yeah, man. Fantastic show. Again, appreciate the support. The writings mm-hmm. were on fire. Mm-hmm. They really were on fire. Very... Mm-hmm. Very good. And like, yeah, man, you, you picked some good ones too, man. So this, this is another another DD banger. Put your dukes up. Another one, man. We did it. Absolutely.
1: So ladies and gentlemen, with that, take great care of yourselves. Keep an eye out for the next episode of DDU. Oh, while I yes. got your attention. Oh, and then yeah, see picture. you after that for episode 61 of Defining Duke. Take Take great care of yourselves and peace out. Peace.
2: Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Colin's Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the United States of America. The show is conceived by Matthew Mr. Maddie Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Maddie's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Zahn, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Dave Cowell, Tom Quinn, Stephen Innerfield, Eddie Medina, Jason R. Zahn, Christopher Nock, Zeno Adam, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Nuclear Prostate, Jonas Young, Sorta of Serious Gaming, Unofficial Controller Podcast, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Zia Parix, Henry Groth, Relentless Rex, Troy Miller, Meyer Katz, J.A. Zhu, Tristan Palacios, Drew Mullen, Christian R., Jad Rita, Benjamin Muma, Patrick Skipper, Sweaty Mitt, Chris Kelly, Dustin Graff, Peyton Stone, Stone, Jalapeno, Josh Allen Ruley Tyler Watkins, Michael Buffel, Troilus True, Dan Root, Isabella Hope, Talisman, Christopher, Randall Holsey, Robbie Norman, Nuke Dukem, William Holbert, Josh Godfrey, Kalique Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Daniel Johnson, H Tronz, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Silinsky, Galja, Greek Thunder, Of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadeth, Poot, Zol Balcazar, Brian White, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Kinnams, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Cruxes, Chris Moore, Caswell, Anti and Chris, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Justin Gonzalez, Mason Cotilac. Ollie Fritz, Zach Allen, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., Dave Bostic, Stewie 108, Patrick Montgomery, Daryl Rodriguez, Damon W., Fat Houdini, Richter 86, Steve Hodge, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Carlos Algret, Dominic, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Gavin, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Nathan Cortez, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton Kay, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zuniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kinniston, Tyler Goodwin, William O'Carroll, Jorge Powell, Jesper Jansen, Max Cannon, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joey Gontoliker, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Brent Linquist, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Edwin Castillo, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Spencer... Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Scarson Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Matthew Purdue, Patrick Harper, Madmock Media, Jonathan Rice, and casual misfits gaming.